cigars all around Cheers, y'all Welcome, ladies and gentlemen alike, to this fine radio program, podcast, and video extravaganza known worldwide as the world famous Hi, Mom. Smoking and Toasting. It is a joy to be with you, my friends, as we are uh, back for show number 257. And we are brought to you by mycigarshirts.com. Halfway to 300. So yeah. Mycigarshirts.com. I'm wearing you, that. You've got your shirt right on now. today. I love you got that. yours on. We're uh, yes, like full, we are, I, we're like full I sponsored the, I got now. the hoodie on. And this is, you know, this one is like really understated. It doesn't have a, a snarky saying on it. It's just got the cigar logo and the because cigars. cigars. Yeah, which is nice. very cool. So you can get these and a number of other really cool designs at mycigarshirts.com. Awesome. Find them on the web for cigar lovers and uh, for people who are buying gifts for cigar lovers as well. Getting to be uh, hoodie season around here, yep. too. Mycigarshirts.com because cigars. Yes, sir. Uh, so show number 257. Ian, I, I have to say... As much as I love having guests on the show, sometimes I really look forward to the shows where it's just you and me. Something about just drinking with you is fun. You know? <laughs> yeah, so, you know, I like to drink with me all the time. Yeah. Well, see, <laughs> you know what I'm talking about then. It makes all the sense in the world. So today we're going to talk about a number of, I think, very interesting and exciting things, including a list, because you know I love lists, a list of the most underrated whiskeys in the world. In the world right, right now. now, yeah. Uh, so yeah, so that should be interesting. Underrated is always a, a you know, I, the, that's a list I'm really more curious about than just a list of right, right. the best. Because underrated probably means they're you know underpriced, and and I love I love being able to get. Some, there's something in, in whether it's cigars or whiskey or tequila, whatever it is. There's something awesome about being able to get something that you feel like. Wow, this could have cost a lot more, and right. I got it. You know, it's. I think. I think women experience this when they're clothes shopping. You know, when they, when they, find, <laughs> when they find the bargain, when they find that bargain, they go, "This is not only something I really like, but it was on sale." <laughs> uh, so, uh, so it's a similar thing, I think. So, anyway, I'm, I'm looking forward to this list. <clears throat> I'm also looking forward to our uh, beers today. Uh, we have. To start off, we'll have a, a beer from Elder Pine Brewing in Gaithersburg, Maryland. That's all I can pronounce correctly. Uh, it is, I believe, called Jibru. J-I dash. No, that, I'm wrong already. It's Jibiru. Jibiru? J-I dash B-I-R-U. Jibiru. And you think, okay, that's an interesting and creative name, and I'm sure it means something, and I don't know what that is. But at least I'll be able to pronounce what kind of beer it is, right? No. No. It's a, <laughs> actually, I may get this right. It's a Fodor aged rice lager. Okay. Did I say Fodor right? Do you yes, know what Fodor is? I'm not entirely sure what that means. We're going to need either. to we'll, rely on We'll have to rely on, on our, Stark or Wiki our, Brian on our that. Our fact checking department. I was, I was just laughing at the uh, uh, comments here. Chris Stark's like, uh, he puts, uh, first of all, Chris Stark or Bruce Stark? <laughs> Chris Hart, sorry. Chris, Chris Hart, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> he said, Who's the guest? And he goes, I'm going to be pissed. Uh oh. He goes, how dare you do this episode without me? Oh, the most underrated whiskeys episode? Oh, he should get his butt here. Well, Chris, if you're, you know, if you're free, you're always welcome to crash the show. He has an show. open invitation. He should that, know that. Right. I, I should be offended that he's not here 
because he knows that. Well, see, here's the thing. All of our experts on the show, because we have our whiskey expert, Chris Hart. We have mm-hmm. our tequila expert, Liliana. We have our, uh, what kind of expert is Alan Denny, anyway? Drinking expert. Okay, so I have our drinking expert, Alan Denny. And we have, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, our legal expert, Trey Boring. We have, we have a number of experts who are linked to the show in one way or another. And each of them has to know. They always have a standing invitation to join us, even if we have five other guests. They, yes. they still can make it. So I should uh, smack myself in the head for not calling them. And saying, "Hey, dude, come on down." But. Yeah, well, my bad, Chris. You're welcome anytime. And if you want to just hop in the car and head over here, we'll be on for a while. So, um, so yeah, a, a Fodor aged rice lager from Elder Pine Brewing in Gaithersburg, Maryland. And hopefully, That's easy one for of you our, to say. hopefully one of our. Well, I didn't even try the name <laughs> of it again. Jibiru. <laughs> it's the yeah, yeah, we'll show you the can and say that be, again. I was going to do that. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, the next one will be uh, much easier to pronounce. Other Half Brewing Company, which we've had a number of their beers before, and they've always been of a really high quality. Uh, we'll be doing their Space Diamonds Imperial IPA. And then in from Hoppin' Frog Brewing Company. We've had... Hoppin' Frog we've had, yes. Yeah, we've had Hoppin' Frog. Today we'll be tasting their Re-Repeat. It's an American Imperial Brown Ale. Okay. Care to take a guess at the ABV? Sounds interesting to me. If it's an Imperial Brown Ale, it's got to be in the 10% range. Try 15. (laughs) (laughs) That sounds awesome. So I'm going to go ahead and call an Uber now. So, uh, you know, just... Just be, be aware. In <laughs> right. fact, and you'll see this when we get to that on the show, but apparently it's so potent that they put it in a smaller than 12-ounce can. Uh, so I actually have two of the smaller than 12-ounce cans. I think that, uh, like when you buy Maridsu, it comes in like an 11.5 or an yeah. 11.5. Or something like yeah, that. Yeah, that's that's what know. these are. They look like a, a tall juice can. Is what like, <laughs> you know. <laughs> so anyway, uh, looking forward to that. And then Ian brought something from his collection today. The uh, how do you pronounce this whiskey, Ian? Kayo. Kayo. K- I think a- that's how I pronounce it. K A I Y O. Kayo. Right? Because it's got a K in there. No. Kayo. There's no. There's no second K. It's a Japanese whiskey, obviously, and I like to point out if if, if we can get a shot of it because it's spinning on Mr. Twirly Gig here. I like to point out that um, you know how I am of the practice when I bring in a spirit for the show yeah. of taking the you know wrapper off the top, the Making cellophane, sure and, that, yeah. and clearing no the neck of the bottle. cuts for, right. on the show because yeah. 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 you know I, I see that you've gone. Even you've been even more thoughtful. You've not only cleared the neck of the bottle, but you've cleared the first two thirds of the bottle. Well, so this bottle was a gift from a friend of mine, and I figured uh, <laughs> I hadn't brought it on the show because it is actually <laughs> a little deficient of some product here, <laughs> which is not totally bad. Uh, but this was a gift from a friend um, that I go. Uh, uh, we sometimes will play Cards Against Humanity or watch movies and talk about stuff. He lives right around the corner from my house. But uh, him and his wife bought this for me. Uh, nice. I don't even know what I, I – I did something nice. I can't remember what it was. You must have been because Japanese whiskey is not necessarily inexpensive, <laughs> my friend. No, and they and they just randomly surprised me with it. They are like, this is for you. And I was mm. like, that sounds awesome. And then, of course, we got into it that night. So what you're looking at is one evening's worth of, <laughs> of yeah. demolition on that bottle. I, I and I've been kind of well, saving it. I, I appreciate, though, your, your thoughtfulness and making sure that we don't you know, have an easy opportunity for spillage. <laughs> right. it's, it's, it's always good to know. Uh, also on today's show, uh, a lot of beer bars are endangered these days. They are struggling to stay afloat because of the increased competition from 
actual brewery tap rooms. Huh. And so there's a little report on that we'll uh, we'll share with you. And if you have a you know, if you have a favorite beer bar, for me it's probably like Flying Saucers here. Flying Saucers. Flying Saucers pretty good. Yeah. I uh you know, I go to the New Potato a lot. I have a few well, New Potatoes few kind of favorites. They're they a great have, little bar. I don't know if they would you consider them a beer bar? Well though? they got like how many? How twenty-five many? taps. That's a lot. Like that. They got that a bunch a of taps. Yeah, it's like right. twenty-something, twenty-five but, taps. But they have they have a reputation though of just being a great watering hole, great spot. They're not yeah. so much thought of as just when you think of like flying saucer, you would think of of yeah, they're a beer bar. Even though you can probably get other things. Well, yeah, flying saucer to me feels more like a restaurant, though. Well, that's 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 true. <laughs> like, so I don't know. Maybe in maybe we're case. drawing the lines in weird places on that. That's that's probably true. And then I have a, a. I'm so excited to peruse this list. I have a list of the most popular beer in every state. Ah, so wouldn't that, won't that be interesting? Like what, what it tells you about each state? Is this the, the Yingling versus Shiner list? I don't know. We'll see. We'll see what happens. But like every other state is Yingling, yeah. and our state is Shiner. Well, no, I, I, I mean, I, I would be surprised if Yingling's not the most popular beer in Pennsylvania. Yeah, at least in some states. Yeah. But but I don't know if in in a whole bunch of other states it Speaking would. Speaking of Pennsylvania, I got some family coming down. I, yeah. I, I believe that I'm going to send some money for some Weyerbacher. Oh, Weyerbacher, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, I'll, I'll look those forward guys to, make amazing beer. I'll look forward to you uh, maybe bringing a little bit of it on the show. I'm going to talk to my brother-in-law. All right, that sounds good. Also, uh, a list of new cigars to watch for, um, and uh, drinking news. You know, we have a teaser for drinking this. I believe we do. What is the headline, sir? The headline is Blocking Spam and 911. That works surprisingly well in the <laughs> ukulele, doesn't it? <laughs> I'm always it's always uh, funny to me whenever we have a guest on uh, how intrigued they are by your ukulele. <laughs> Wow. When I walk in with the ukulele, they're finding it funny. I I got a little bit of news here. Um, Last week, actually, it might have been a week before last, or uh, right before the last uh, show, I got a package in the mail. Yeah. And um, it didn't have a name on it that I recognized, but it was from Michigan. So I had a sneaking suspicion. Mm -hmm. And um, when I opened it up, there were cigars in it. Oh. Which I thought was pretty fantastic. So, relatives or? uh, No. From On Stark. Oh, from Bruce Stark, our buddy yes. in Michigan. Yes. Now, I was supposed to bring you half of this package. Yeah. But then I started thinking about that Isle of Fiji rum. <laughs> See, I knew you were going to bring that up. I knew it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. From On Stark. So what is the occasion? Is this just Bruce, I think Bruce sharing the I, love? Or? You know, he can, he can respond on here, but I think this is just... Having some fun and sending us out something he knows we like. So he sent us 10 cigars, and it was two of each uh, A.J. Fernandez sampler. Oh, wow. And, uh, so this this is immediate fanboy love right here. <laughs> yeah. Because there's a new world in there, which is a very, very full-bodied cigar. Not yes. quite as full as a diesel, but it's big. I already smoked uh, mine. And, uh, I, as a matter of fact, I have two cigars left. And then there's the Enclave, which is great. Mm-hmm. There's the... Um, the Dies de Gloria, which is a real, almost like, like a Cuban-style yeah. uh, cigar. There's the, um, it looks like the Cameroon Selection of New World, which is completely different from the regular. Very, very. It's very spicy, but not as full. And then 
there's the Bella Artes. The Bella Artes. Which is like a chocolate bomb. Mm-hmm. So, wow. Well, thank you, Bruce. That was a very uh, very kind uh, very kind he, offer. He he posts happy belated birthdays. Oh, well, that's that's very nice. Gosh, I'm, I'm, when you get birthday gifts, this is more cigars than most cigar reps leave with us. You know what I mean? I mean, that's, a, that's a, Bruce, that's uh, That was very nice awesome, and, and it was so. very awesome. And um, it came at the right time. I smoked like three of mine already. So did you uh, smoke anything interesting this week you want to talk about on the show? It's, it's funny you should ask because I actually did. Um, I sat down this morning on my patio. <clears throat> Man, the weather outside. Oh, it's beautiful. A little windy today. I thought about I thought about going up to Casa like I usually do, but I was like, it is so nice outside. And I've got uh, fences around my yard, so it's it's not too bad. It was a little windy, but not, mm-hmm. not bad enough to interrupt the cigar so much. Uh, and I dug around in my humidor, and I found a Havana City hot cake. Havana City hot? I'm not familiar Havana with City Havana City hot cake. Uh, so I have a friend of mine that we split cigar buys sometimes, mm-hmm. and this is one of those in there. And I, I had two of them in my uh, package, and I smoked one uh, about a month ago. Okay. And I was like, man, that hot cake's pretty good. So I decided to pull the second one out and use it as my review. So the Havana City hot cake, uh, from from what I could gather from it, uh, the size I had was a 5 and 5 eighths by 48 Corona Gorda, they call it. Uh, it's a Mexican San Andreas wrapper, Nicaraguan binder and filler made uh, made by Agnorsa Leaf. Although when I kind of looked, all ar- sounds good. Yeah, so yeah. Far, when I kind of yeah. looked around, I looked at Half Wheel, and he had a different size. Uh, uh, I think it was Charlie that did a review. He had a different size, and uh, and his was made in a different place. So there might be that some sizes are made in one place, some are made in another, or maybe someone's information's mixed up. Yeah. Uh, but you know, it's hard to tell. Uh, I would probably lean towards uh, uh, Half Wheel on yeah, the they're, information they're because they're pretty, yeah, pretty they're sharp. real solid. Yeah. yeah. So. Um, but anyway, uh, the the appearance on this uh, single gold band over a leathery, toothy, somewhat veiny wrapper, uh, not a super pretty cigar. Okay. Like it's got kind of a rough appearance to right? it, but not really in a bad way. Just not uh, like a really just, refined cigar. It's not like when you pick up a Padron Anniversario right. and, and, and it's you just, smooth and yeah, uncrinkled. Yeah, yeah, it's not like that. I find that the cigar review sites use the term rustic. I don't know if it was totally rustic, though, because rustic usually means it's a little more lumpy. This wasn't lumpy. It just yeah. kind of had a rough texture a to rough it. rough exterior. <laughs> yeah, no? just kind well, of a rough So do you, exterior. but people like you. So, yeah, well, you know? there's that. Yeah. I have a gruff so, exterior. That's right. So the um, dark chocolate in color, not very firm overall. It, it was uh, a little bit soft uh, overall, not... Lumpy soft, but just kind of mm-hmm. soft overall. The uh, pre-light sniff, I got classic tobacco, barnyard, hints of coffee and pepper. Not a whole lot going on past that. Uh, that's quite but that's a bit enough. for a sniff. Yeah, yeah that's, not, that's enough. Uh, the initial light on this... Um, Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, the the pre light draw on this. Uh, it used a punch. It had a medium draw on it. A little bit of a little bit of a tightness to the draw, but not enough to to matter. Pepper and coffee with earth and hay kind of as a background. Uh, the initial light blast of earthy pepper and cayenne. This was spicy right off the bat, buddy. Blast of earthy pepper. Yes, earthy pepper mm-hmm. and cayenne. Um, spices settled down real quickly, though. Within just a few puffs, uh, left tangy pepper and coffee. So it was essentially your basic Nicaraguan pepper blast that settled down like yeah, so much. Well, uh, it was like the so many Nicaraguan, Nicaraguan pepper blast, but it had a little bit, that that kind of cayenne spice mm-hmm. to it. You yeah, know, it kind of hits you, yeah. hits you kind of way back on okay. the outside of the palate. And lingers a little bit. Uh, the first third of this, robust flavors immediately place a stick in the uh, full-strength spectrum. Probably on the low side of full-strength, but definitely in the full-strength spectrum. Uh, so not Fisher-Price my first cigar. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Uh, let's see. Spicy pepper with a hint of cayenne is surrounded by bitter coffee and oaky wood notes. <clears throat> Underlying sweetness is present. Uh, I couldn't really put my finger on the sweetness on the beginning of the cigar. The pepper uh, was so big on this uh, at the beginning that I didn't get a lot of the more subtle flavors going on, but I could tell that there was some there. I just couldn't pin them down. Underlying sweetness is present. Retrohales, pleasant pepper and wood. Um, that wood is real important there because I didn't get a ton right off the first... Uh, 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 right off the initial light on this, I didn't get a ton of the wood, but man, the first third of this started getting a lot of that oaky wood kind of notes, mm -hmm. and that retro hail was huge. It was wonderful retro hail, Fl uh, somewhat flaky ash, great burn. Did not drop it on myself. Nice. The uh, second third of this. The pepper backed down a little bit, leaving more subtle flavors to emerge. Coffee is still present. Oak and fresh cut cedar were right there. It had that oak dryness, but it had mm -hmm. that real pleasant fresh cut cedar right in the uh, right in the front of the palate. Mocha and brownie batter with a touch of licorice is what I was picking up on this. <laughs> Your palate is really—I mean—to be able to pull all that out of a cigar. <laughs> that's, I, I'm seriously. That's—I I know sometimes we have guests come in. That are not as you know uh, big into cigars, perhaps as you and I, or maybe they smoke them occasionally. They're always amazed at what you're getting flavor-wise <laughs> uh, in your description of cigar. I, I sometimes get the feeling they're looking at me going, "Wow, he just wrote down words." Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> words, 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 lots of words. Blah blah um, blah blah blah. <laughs> uh, yeah. So the uh, the licorice was interesting because I, I, I there was something there and I wasn't sure what it was mm -hmm. and then it kind of dawned on me. Um, the retrohale was coffee and wood, somewhat flaky ash, great burn. I got to tell you, I, you know, I didn't say a lot about the retrohale in here except for what it was, but I really enjoyed the retrohale on the cigar. The notes in the retrohale were so, so much uh, uh, more to the overall flavor of the cigar. The uh, last third of the cigar, pepper backs off even more. How weird is that? Usually it ramps like, up. Like from the beginning, beginning of the yeah. cigar to the end of the cigar, the pepper backed off. Interesting. Uh, uh, it just ramped back the entire time. Uh, it uh, leaves uh, left room for sweeter flavors. I got a little salty brownie batter kind of thing going on. Leather, fermented hay, coffee, and mocha all take turns, and a spicy tingle on the tip of the tongue that was kind of nice. Uh, paired exceptionally well with my, I have a, a, one of those Carrick machines, and I had the donut shop coffee on there. Yeah. Yeah, so paired exceptionally well with that coffee. Nice. The Retro Hail coffee, charred oak, and toast with powdered sugar. I would have said almost Ooh. French toast, but it didn't have quite the French toast flavor, but it had a little bit of that toast kind of flavor, and a little powdered sugar kind sugar of stuff. Bob. Yeah, yeah. Somewhat flaky-ash, great burn. This cigar uh, bought uh, pretty much anywhere is seven dollars and fifty cents ish. Not bad. That's a lot to write about seven dollars and fifty cents. Mm -hmm. I gave it a solid five. Yeah. And I'm gonna tell you why. Because some of the cigars in that package you have there mm -hmm. cost that same amount. Yeah, you're right. That's and they're about outstanding. Where these, yeah, that's and about this where these cigar up. stands up easily to these to those. Well, that's that's I a mean, big deal. The hot cake, uh, Havana City hot cake. Is a great stick. These are all cigars that I've had, and they do sometimes hurt other cigars in reviews. Because if it's a ten or eleven dollar cigar, and it's about as good as these, it's kind of hard to give it a five. You know yeah, what I mean? That's tough. Yeah. So, but you're saying this one at essentially the same price stands up, stood up really, would be, really well. It would be as well one that I'll keep in my humidor from now on, and. Smoke side by side with those and be super happy. I like it. I like it. I so like flavor profile wise, it was and, fantastic. And the name of the cigar again is Havana City Cigars Havana HVC City. Hot Cake. 
hot cake. Okay. I they make it, uh, so. four violettas uh, uh, for it, uh, but I had, I had the smallest one. I will I will be looking for that because that sounds delicious. Yeah, and they range from I think seven fifty is the least expensive one, and then they're up to like nine and a half dollars I think okay. for the most expensive one. And I got to tell you, if the other sizes are as good, fantastic. Well, I had something very interesting this week. I smoked a Rocky Patel Renaissance. Habano Robusto. It's a small Robusto, like a 5 by 50 oh, it's, The Renaissance has been around for a while. Yeah, it has yeah, been around yeah. for a while. Oh, and it's that. not one of Rocky's more uh, well-known yeah, yeah, well uh, uh, blends, right? But it has been around, I think, since early early to mid-2000s, maybe? Yeah, I, I mean, it's I, been around I for remember a while. having that years ago. It's a very pretty cigar, a chocolate brown, fairly smooth wrapper, and a very decorative blue and gold band. It looks really nice. Uh, pre-light on this gave off uh, nuttiness and a deep sense of earth, a kind of a loamy soil note, the best way it's, that it's I can It's interesting that the pre-light gives off nuttiness because the guy smoking it also gives off some nuttiness. Well, there, that you know, it's possible I could have been confused as to the source of the nuttiness. <laughs> it is entirely possible. Uh, it's an Ecuadorian Habano wrapper I need a cigar. On yeah, this. You do. Oh, we really do. We really do. Uh, the wrapper is Ecuadorian Habano. Uh, the binder is Honduran, and Honduran and Nicaraguan fillers are used. The cigar is uh, rolled in Honduras, and it's uh, it's a great looking cigar. I used my trusty punch, and I lit the Renaissance up uh, pretty easily. Got a nice volume of smoke, which is always interesting from a smaller cigar because. Even though I say Robusto, most Robustos that I smoke are, are closer to this ring gauge. Right, right. And this one was a little a little thinner. So it comes across a little bit like a smaller cigar. But, man, nice volume of, of smoke output from the very beginning. And it was um, a nice firm draw, too. I was like, uh, really smoked exactly like you want a cigar to smoke. Nice. Nice firm draw and, uh, and a good volume of smoke. Um, there was a nice presence of mocha. In the first third was really kind of the the flavor that that hit me the strongest. A little bit of spicy pepper note and a subtle creaminess, and so the pepper and the creaminess kind of balanced each other out real nicely. Nice. I did not get a Nicaraguan pepper blast because I, I think largely because the creaminess sort of kept it kept it a little more balanced. It was, so it was kind of interesting. Uh, by the time I got to the second third, there was a distinct leather note that made its way to the middle of the palate. The ash on this baby was a little flaky, but it held on a pretty good while. Burn wasn't razor straight, but the construction overall was quite good. Uh, by the final third, the cigar had actually mellowed a little bit, kind of similar to what you were talking about with the, with yeah. the pepper. Uh, yeah, just slightly, and, and in the most wonderful way, by the way. When I say mellowed it wasn't so much that the strength backed way down it was just that the flavors all just seemed Kinda like they cool, just really Kinda came like together lasagna the next day yeah. oh that's a perfect way to, <laughs> it's a perfect way to put it yes uh, or or banana pudding the next day right yeah it's like oh this was good yesterday but now oh my uh anyway the um the flavors were deep and rich great complexity medium to full bodied but not overpowering and uh, in the uh, the final third, pepper and cream kind of rounded out the the flavors. That was really the constant in in this cigar was the pepper and cream sort of balancing uh, with each other. And uh, there was still more leather and a slight citrus, kind of like an orange zest sort of citrus to it. Uh, really, overall, the cigar was very rich, 
very enjoyable. Reminded me a little bit of the flavor profile of, and I haven't had one of these in a long time, but it just reminded me of the Rocky Patel Edge Sumatra. Oh, if yeah. you've had one of those, it's just yeah. just got that little bit of, of spiciness, but it's so balanced. And there's so much other stuff going on. Look, uh, I don't even know what your uh, 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 price quality is on this, but I'm already going to want to go buy one and revisit it. Well, yeah, let me tell you. Small Robusto, still uh, smoked for a full hour. Even though, and I, honestly, I thought this is 45 minutes tops. It's yeah, smoked, I didn't mention I got an hour out of mine. It smoked right a at, solid yeah. hour. So, recommended, thumbs up, and now for the best part. This Robusto costs $2.75. <laughs> I'm not kidding. Say what? $2.75. So, price to quality, 8 Outlandish, yeah, eight. I honestly was this one that you got in a, a package. I, I got it in one of those things where you pick, like you pick five. It's it's like a three. You pick five. You pick a five pack. I know what you're talking about. Of right. cigars, uh, I got it from Holtz online. You pick a five pack of cigars uh, for three different three different five packs. Right. <clears throat> so I think I got a um, an Alec Bradley Prince Presnado Prinzado 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 yeah, yeah. as one of them, and I think the other one was a um, uh, a Serie R, uh, and, and, then, and then this one was the Rocky Patel. And I thought, you know, this will be this will be good little dog walker. You know, maybe if I'm driving down the highway in a car and I got the top down, I want to smoke something in the in the breeze. Uh, this cigar was solid. Nice. Solid and great flavor. And and you know, I smoke a lot of Nicaraguan cigars. The the shift to a Nicaraguan and Honduran, just that slight flavor shift uh-huh. from the Honduran tobacco was really nice. It's kinda of like the difference, uh, if you remember what the um uh, the uh, JFR uh, uh, cigars, the, um, uh, that Honduran earthiness is just different right, from right. Nicaraguan tobacco. Anyway, great stuff. It's an eight. That asylum Go, go find these. You may have a little bit of difficulty finding it, but I know you can find these online in a number of places if you if you can't get them from your local tobacconist. Because I don't remember seeing these in any of my local tobacco shops in a while. It was one of the reasons I picked them up in the five-pack. I, I don't think I've had one of these in forever, so... Anyway, highly recommended. Okay, let's uh, let's take a break. We got a lot to talk about. We got whiskey to taste, and we got some very interesting beers on the way, including one that I'm glad we're going first with it because then I won't have to keep trying to pronounce it uh, for the entire show. Jib- Jibiru. It's a Fodor aged rice lager, and that's easy for me so, to say. So uh, <laughs> Chris Chris <laughs> mentioned on here he thought it was pronounced feeder. Feeder. Maybe it is. Maybe it is. I don't know. I, I don't know. Uh, it's F O E D E R. I mean, if you go to Green, Texas, it's spelled G R E U N E. Yeah, right. So there's you know. yeah, and yeah. I, the, my favorite though is Massachusetts, where the city outside of Boston called uh, Worcester is spelled like it's Worcester, W O R C H E S T E R, but it's pronounced Worcester. And then there's a neighborhood in Boston called Dorchester, spelled the same way except with a D. But nobody calls it Duster. It's just Dorchester. <laughs> well, so you, you know, never in California, know. it's Rodeo Drive. Yeah, and San Pedro. And if you're in Austin, mm-hmm. you go float on the Guadalupe River. Yeah. But you drive down Guadalupe Street. Yeah, see, there's, the world do not is, say Guadalupe Street because they will look at you like you're an alien. The world is full of strange <laughs> mysteries, and we'll explore more of them, including some either fodder or feeder aged rice uh, oh. lager. Onstark says pronounced fooder. <laughs> fooder. Well, there you go. I've always think, thought of myself as a bit of a fooder. Uh, we'll be right back at Smoking and Toasting.
smoking and toasting. This program is all about craft beer, fine spirits, and hand-rolled cigars, which we have a, a, a nice little assortment out here from uh, Bruce. Thank you, Bruce. That's very, very cool of you. Um, so the, the beer bar. When Chris Black opened the Falling Rock Tap House in downtown Denver in 1997 with his two brothers, um, the, the place just took off. Their motto was, no crap on tap. Nice. <laughs> That's a great motto, isn't it? No crap on tap. And they basically grew to include 94 rotating drafts showcasing America's uh, blossoming craft beer scene. Think about 1997 and how things were starting to really take off for craft beer. That is beautiful. Um, and, uh, of course, the Great American Beer Festival is held in uh, in Denver. And so they were like a hot spot for everybody who came from across the country to attend the Great American Beer Festival. Uh, by about 2015, though, his sales had started to flatten and then actually dropped because of a confluence of challenges, property tax increases, uh Business disrupting uh, street construction, but the real big, the real big thing that caused his sales to go down um, were the new competition from places that used to be suppliers, suppliers only, the breweries themselves. The breweries can sell. All the breweries started opening up their own uh, tap rooms and brewery tap rooms. I mean, this is one of the greatest developments of the craft beer scene. Is all the tap rooms that are featuring such great stuff, and um, but it has really put a damper on the uh, profits and the profitability of beer bars, mm-hmm. and so that's a, that's a new phenomena. The uh, beer bar used to be the place you would go for a wide assortment of beers. Now you can go to let's, to no label. Let's you know? let's talk let's talk for a minute about uh, so there's there's a different <coughs> feel in going to a beer bar and going to a brewery. And Correct. Both are fun. Both are entertaining. Some people would probably lean one way, some people another. But here's an idea. If if because, for instance, like here in Houston, if, for instance, you have a brewery that you you know used to sell on tap, but now they're open and you can buy their beers at the brewery, things like that, mm-hmm. let's say uh, Eighth Wonder, for instance. Right. Um, and, um, and because they're open now, and Eighth Wonder has a fantastic tap room, by the they way. They really do. It's a lot of fun. And the nice thing about that Eighth Wonder tap room and a lot of other tap rooms is you can get beers there mm-hmm. that you can't get anywhere else. Right. You literally things that are, can't. Things that are uh, tap room only. So there's an attraction to that. Mm-hmm. Okay. The problem is not everybody knows about all those breweries or knows that they have all those things. So here's a thought process. Mm-hmm. Instead of stocking a whole bunch of the same stuff that they sell there, why don't you collab? With right. that brewery and say, okay, we're going to have a beer that's, that's only, available only available at your beer bar. Your beer bar. We it's don't sell idea. it at our tap room. Mm-hmm. And then you have something that benefits both because people come in and try that because that's the only place they can get it. But they're also getting name recognition from the brewery to go, oh, well, we need to try some of their other beers. Yeah. You know, that you know, might be something to that, you know? And you know what else could could be done? What if these beer bars started doing, like, week-long takeovers Buy a different brewery. In other words, that, that, say you got a, a beer fun. bar, uh, and they could maybe reserve like five or six taps for whatever their best sellers were, and outside of that, all the taps would be taken over by an Eighth Wonder or Saint right, Arnold, right. or uh, you know, or that could be fun too because then it's like the 
brewery and the tap room getting to have a remote location for a week. Yeah, you know, which could be kind of fun. And that location might be closer to you. I mean, if uh, you know, it's it's a nice little drive for me to go out to you know Conroe and visit Southern Star. But if they were taken over flying saucer like eight blocks from my house, oh yeah, I'd be see? there in a heartbeat. And that you know? and they're in. See, I think that the, I think that with some with some creative marketing and things like that, you could really work together with Bruce. And I, I and as far as I know, breweries love working with. Oh, they well, uh, they really do. They love making more beer. They love trying <clears throat> new beers. You Anything know? to get people to you know kind of come into the fold, as it were, and and be more aware of the brewery and what they offer is a is a big deal. You know, I mean, I'm I'm the type of guy that my you know handful of favorite breweries, say my top five. I'll try anything new they put out. Yeah, you know, absolutely. Uh, if I see something new, oh, this is a new St. Arnold. I don't, I haven't had this. I'm going to buy it and try. And it. it doesn't even have to be a top five for me. If it's a right. brewery that I know and respect, that you've got, and yeah. there's something different there that's not an IPA, mm-hmm. I will almost always try it immediately. And if it is an IPA, I will always try it. Well, immediately. And, so I'm, and I'm about. We balance each other I'm about out. About forty sixty on that one, <laughs> but you get the idea. Yeah. So uh, I just want to take a moment for our newest addition to the show, which yeah. is. Comment feed commentary. Okay, let's do it. We have some funny ones here. I'm just going to rattle them off. You guys figure out what they mean to the story behind it. Here we go. Uh, uh, where are we at? I got the Ian shirt and Tracy got the cruise hoodie. What a deal. <laughs> right. Nice. Uh, let's see. Christopher Hart says, hearing you guys talk about me on the show is almost as good as hearing you talk about me when I'm in the stall next to you guys in the bathroom. Oh, well, that, that sounds very much like something Chris Hart would say. By the way... The big uh, the big whiskey social is coming up, and I'm very excited about it. Oh, you know, not only is it coming up, it's less than two weeks away. I know, I know. It's, it's a week and a half away, yeah, and so, I'm so excited I can hardly contain um, myself. Go uh, go online and check them out. It's the Whiskey Social, and if you have not been to one of these, I'm telling you, it is the single best beverage event I've ever been it's to. It's amazing. It, it is really wonderful. So uh, go check them out for tickets. And thank you, Chris, for commenting on our uh, on our feed. We always Absolutely. appreciate always appreciate uh, hearing from you. And like I said, you're you're welcome here anytime. Liliana says, hola, amigos. Liliana's the greatest. She's amazing. She really is. I just love her to death. Um, so, go ahead. Uh, one more thing on the uh, comment feed commentary. Mm-hmm. Uh, fooder, pronounced fooder. So it is pronounced fooder. Eh, that's what that's what uh, that's what we got from Onstark. Okay. Uh, is the Dutch word for a large oak tank where beer is fermented? The French oak, uh, the French call it f o e d r e fodre. 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 Because the French sometimes just don't pronounce right. like the so last six syllables that's, of the word. Yeah, right, exactly. <laughs> There's no e a u x on the yeah, end. Yeah, you so you tell me that <laughs> you can look at the printed out name of the Champs Elysees. And oh, think yeah. that it would be think that that's what it would look like on paper. No, I don't think so. Uh, um, but yeah, but it's uh, but it's the same thing. A vertical or horizontal oak barrel, at least three times, and sometimes three hundred times the size of an oak barrel. Oh, so there nice. we have it. Well, so that's what we're going to be trying. And in fact, we might as well do. It. I'm going to grab some cups because I didn't get them out of the. Uh, out of the thing you do that. I'm going to do the hard work over here. Let's see. That was particularly juicy. Ooh, that's a happy beer. Did, did you uh, notice, Ian, that uh, Elder Pine Brewing, their uh, their little logo, that, and no, I don't have any uh, napkins here, I'm sorry. You'll, you'll have to do the, uh, the short swipe. It's swat. funny that I always come out of here smelling like beer. <laughs> yeah. Uh, imagine that. Uh, <laughs> like, I, what are the chances? I noticed that the um, 
the logo for Elder Pine Brewing. When I first picked it up, I thought maybe it was one of the um, thought maybe it was one of those uh, celebrity beer collaborations, and that uh, this group had done something with Emerson Lake and Palmer because that's what that's what the uh, logo looked it looked like an ELP logo. Oh, it does. Yes. Yeah, so, uh, so uh, but that is it's not the, the case. EP. That's the Elder Pine Brewing, and I'm going to now challenge you, Ian, once you do the pour. To try to read some of that stuff from off the can because it's uh, it's all very uh, difficult to pronounce. Oh, challenge accepted. Let me let me yeah. pour first though. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you Let's do see that. here. We got a happy beer. This thing is, and then it wants to pour down the side of the can. You know how they uh, do. You didn't even do that, Chris Hart hard pour, and it like foamed like crazy. So I'll pass this one over to Adam, and we'll let that uh, sit for a minute before we go there. So it's a <laughs> it's a very interesting looking beer. So I, very I'm excitable not, beer. I'm not really up to speed with what a rice lager means. Obviously, it means it's you know fermented with rice, but but I'm not I'm not sure what to expect to be different from that than a rather uh, than a standard lager. Do you? Are, I'm just totally in the dark on this. Do you know? Do you know what what you would expect knowing mm. that it's I, a? You know, I don't really know. Of of I know feeder, there are beers that I don't rice really like that are made with rice, right? Like Bud Light. And it's yeah. ilk. Um, it's very got a very interesting sweet note on the one nose. One pint lager aged in oak fooder for two months, 5.7 uh, ABV, so, product of the USA. So this is interesting because it sounds like, from the way you read that, that it is their regular I like this, elder pine lager, but I, they've aged it. I like this symbol that they have. It's like a sigh and a... Psy-like object with three uh, prongs on the end. Mm-hmm. It's very. Um, it's it a very there. cool can. Yeah. It's it's very John Barleycorn looking like. Yes, John Barleycorn must die. Are you familiar with that song? By the I, way, I am. As what a fact. beautiful song! It's a wonderful, wonderful. It's I'm a little trying, dark. I'm trying to hold this. Oh wait, wait. Oh, there we go. There That's it is. better. Yeah, right, perfect. Right, That's right, posi- right, positioned right, perfectly. Right. Um, no, it's a one pint lager aged in oak. Uh, oak Fooder, fooder? Uh, for two we'll go months, 5.7%, a product of the USA. It also says here, uh, Ian, that according to the Surgeon General, women should not drink alcoholic beverages during pregnancy because of the risk of birth defects and consumption. I feel like I've read that. You know what? It's funny because I think they stole that right off of this real ale coffee porter because well. right here it says, according <laughs> to the Surgeon General, women should not drink alcoholic beverages during pregnancy because of the risk of birth I think defects. I just heard that. That's crazy. Uh, so, have you tasted this yet? So, I'm also looking at the front artwork on here, and mm-hmm. it looks very John Barleycorn must die. Is that like a rice? By the way, is that a rice? Is that rice patties? It is looks like it, like rice yeah. fields. Mm-hmm. And um, although uh, John Barleycorn is about barley, but uh, yes. you, should, you should totally listen to that song. This would be John sure Ricecorn must die. <laughs> John, John, rice, uh, so, John Rice Patty must die. There's not a whole lot of information on here other than that, really. Uh, yeah. Uh, and what is there is difficult to pronounce. So, um, Ian, I'm real, real curious as to your take on this beer. Well, oh, I don't like it. Well, it's so interesting because I was about ready to say, I thought you were going to go, this is great. And I was going to say, I just really don't care for it. Um, uh, I can see some people liking it. It has a weird funk to mm-hmm. it, especially in the... Um, Retro ale. And as we have established on this show, oftentimes funk is a very good thing. But in this case, I'm not sure I like the aftertaste. It's got a weird sweetness that I kind of like, but then it kind of goes, there's a weird funk to it, and it's way over carbonated. I agree with that as well. 
And I don't know whether that has anything to do with it sitting for as long as it did in the uh, the fooder casks. But the aftertaste is not pleasant. Do not like the aftertaste. In fact, I would actually be okay with this if it were not for the aftertaste. That's what really doesn't work for me is the aftertaste. Yeah, there's a there's a weird funk with it. It does, however, like on the pleasant side of it, the initial sip of this is a little champagne like. Mm-hmm. Um, and that part of that is because of the over uh, over carbonization of it, but. I, I don't know. I mean, I'm sure there's somebody out here that's going to like it. This is to my palate. I'm not really happy with the well, flavors. Uh, it's one of those beers that I'll go, I'm really glad they did it. I'm really glad I tried it, but I don't think I want another I one. can appreciate wheat beers, too, right? but I don't go buy them a lot. There's right. just not a lot of them that I go, I have to have it. I will tell you, though, there's the exception. The mm-hmm. uh, the uh, 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 Live Oak Hefeweizen oh, that's great. is unbelievable. Yeah, it's really, really well, um, I'm I'm glad we tried it. This is you know it's one of the great things about doing the show is I don't know if I would have bought a beer like that if if it wasn't for thinking oh this might be interesting to try on the show. So um, so it, you know kind of pushes you to try other things and, and that's, the first the that's first half of the palate on this is very mm-hmm. pleasant and then it just, gets, it just gets weird too. Agreed that that uh, that finish though that aftertaste is not. Not what I'm looking for. I'm looking for that crisp lager thing. It's not thing. a beer aftertaste either. No, it's not. It's not a, it's not a beery aftertaste. It's not hops it's a, and it's not malt. It's it's rice, I guess. I don't know, but maybe I like that rice. maybe that is the rice. I don't know. I like rice. You know, I like I like <laughs> rice on its own. You know. Yeah. Well. All right. So that's that's very interesting. I don't know. I don't know what to think about that. But uh, but Elder Pine, a very respected brewery. It's not like they're you know. It's not like they're a brewery that makes bad beer. You no, know? and this may be, uh, and again, this could just be my palate. This may be an exceptional sample of mm-hmm. uh, example of what it is, but it's it's not for me. Oh, I got to tell you about this, by the way, before we take a break. This essentially being our Halloween show, and I actually was looking around for some Oktoberfest to bring in uh, to to have for the Halloween show, and it, it, it's all Christmas sale. You can't even find Oktoberfest. I haven't been to the store this week. Is Christmas Ale out? Yeah, St. Arnold Christmas Ale is on the shelf. (laughs) All right, uh, I'll be back in about 40 minutes, all right? I'll see you later. Sounds good. Uh, No, I got to tell you, um, uh, it's kind of like decorations, you know? It's not Halloween yet. And the Oktoberfest is gone, and the Christmas ale is out. So <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how to feel about that. But I guess they want it out so they can be, you know, fresh for the right uh, for the right time of the season. So I did not pick up any Christmas ale, but I, of course, will be doing that uh, shortly. Anyway, with this being our um, Halloween show, for all intents and purposes, I thought I would uh, tell you about America's most haunted cigar bar. Love it. Uh, appropriate for for Halloween, right? It's a Milwaukee spot. That is uh, called Shaker's Cigar Bar, and it's in the Walker's Point area of Milwaukee. The building was built in 1894 as a cooperage for Schlitz Brewing. Okay. So there's a uh, there's a, uh, a haunted mansion, supposedly haunted mansion, in St. Louis called the Lemp Mansion. And the Lemp Mansion was the family home for the... Uh, Limp family who brewed Limp beer, which was later rebranded Falstaff. Oh wow! So, uh, so there's something about breweries and brewing families and hauntings that uh, that may may be a thing. So, anyway, uh, prohibition hit uh, after this had been a uh, Cooper for Schlitz Brewing, and when that happened, the Capone brothers 
Al, Frank, and Ralph Capone took ownership of this building, uh, according to a tour guide there. That's when it operated as a speakeasy, and then the top two floors were a brothel. So, <laughs> Well, yeah, yeah. you've got to maximize your space. Yeah. Drive by at night, there was no mistaking that uh, this place is embracing its reputation as haunted. They've got it lit up purple with ghosts in the windows and on top of the roof. The basement is objectively creepy. It's dark, obviously old, and has cobwebs everywhere. It was a secret hideout and meeting room for the Capones. So you got to figure, it's probably a life or two lost Probably. in that building. And uh, anyway, it's uh, it's very, very interesting. Check it out online. It is the uh, the Shaker's Cigar Bar in Milwaukee. It's it's definitely worth checking I, out. There's I pictures don't know. of their Halloween decorations. I don't know exactly how you feel about ghosts. <laughs> um, but believe in them or not, some people do. Some people very strongly believe in ghosts. Some mm-hmm. people don't. Um, and and some people watch those uh, crappy TV shows, Ghost oh, yeah. Hunter stuff, where uh, where they just have like creepy sounds and spooky camera angles. Yeah. Which, by the way, that's absolute crap TV. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't care if you believe in ghosts; that's crap TV. <laughs> yes, like it is. to the absolute extreme. But uh, one of the things I've found about myself is, even though I've been in reputedly haunted places, I've heard creepy sounds and 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 you know cold things brushing by you, those kind of things. Mm-hmm. All that. I have never once in my life felt like I should be afraid of a ghost because I have never once in my life been bitten by one. Well, that's good to know. So, mm-hmm. ghosts? Maybe. Afraid uh, of them? Uh, no. My take on it's actually pretty simple. If ghosts are real, why do these so-called ghost experts have such a damned hard time finding them on those shows? <laughs> because they never actually show you a ghost. Never. You can watch them for hours. That's such crap TV. It's just terrible. That is the worst TV. It's just terrible. It's worse than that Honey Boo Boo thing, I think. So. <laughs> <laughs> and that was about as bad as it got. You know, I managed to never watch any of that. Uh, you are a, a, a smarter man than than many. Uh, okay, we got to take a break. We'll be back. We have uh, a lot to do still on the show, including our list of the most underrated whiskeys in the world, plus the most popular beer in every state, and Drinking News is still on the way. We'll be right back. It's smoking and toasting. Welcome back. It's Smoking and Toasting. We are the program that's all about craft beer, fine spirits, and hand-rolled cigars. We are brought to you by MyCigarShirts.com. Check them out on the web. Great shirts for cigar lovers, MyCigarShirts.com. And they were sponsored the show. We appreciate you supporting them because they support us. Um, you mentioned uh, Ian, uh, during the break that uh, we had some interesting Comment, comments feed, rolling commentary yes. coming right up to you. So, um... Onstark uh, says, like American-style lagers, Japanese rice lagers are brewed with rice in addition to barley, and the grain makes rice provides fermentable sugars for, uh, for the yeast that produce alcohol while keeping the beer light in color and body. The mouthfeel, feel of rice lager, is crisp and refreshing with a generally dry finish. Okay, so there's nothing so, about the funk in there. Well, but it's interesting that this is Elder Pine's take on a Japanese rice lager is what it amounts to. Yes, yes. Jibiru, a, a fooder-aged rice lager. So I'm wondering what this lager would taste like if it's not fooder-aged. You know, if, yeah, it'd if be it's interesting straight, to try. Yeah, uh, if that if that funk would still be there or if that's Or if it just becomes Miller Lite. 
Right. Well, it could be, but but <laughs> no, it could that be. Was I a mean, bad joke. it's definitely got it's definitely got um, flavor to it. You know. Uh, uh, Blake says uh, Klaus Brewing consistently has Oktoberfest and Mars, and that is true. Klaus Brewing is a uh, uh, brewery uh, in the north section of Houston, what we call Cypress area, mm-hmm. and. Um, and they all their beers are very German. Yes, we've been working to get them on the show. Anything outside of German, and they are fantastic. Yeah, I've, I've been there a few working times. Working on getting them on the show. So uh, also, about last that. thing, Lockcraft uh, is said to be haunted, and he says, "I ain't afraid of no ghosts." Uh, you know, Lockcraft. I, I was just there the uh, oldest a, bar a month Houston. or so ago. Oldest bar in our city, and it. Uh, it's still awesome, and you still have to remember to take cash. <laughs> oh, really? And I, I never have cash on me. I was glad I was there with my wife. You know, she I she almost, had just enough cash to buy us both a beer. I almost always have some cash. Yeah. I try to keep some cash mm. on me, even though I'm really there are places now that literally won't take cash. They oh, refuse I it. I know. Uh, I was I went out to a show out at the uh, Smart Financial Center uh, not too long ago out in uh, Sugarland, which is a great place to see a show, by the way. Yeah, what it's a great room. What a wonderful room. Uh, but there... And they're parking, you know, it's like 15 bucks to park, no cash accepted. You either have to prepay Man. or you have to have a card. <laughs> it's, it's you crazy. know, it, it sucks that you go to a place that has no other option than to park there because there is nowhere else to park. Yeah, Smart and it's Financial. 15 bucks. There's no street parking. It is yeah. literally out in a field, out in Sugarland. Yeah. The next place to park is uh, one exit down. And by the way, the exits are about a mile apart. Yeah, it's Houston. not like you can park. One exit down in the park. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Where I go mountain biking from time to time. Yeah, you just gotta you just gotta plan on paying because there's no there's no other option. Yeah, no, no, you. you you need to factor that in with every ticket and fifteen dollars to park. That's that's kind of monopoly money right there. Well, if it was a downtown parking lot, fifteen dollars, okay, you expect that. But this is Sugarland. Yeah, but there's downtown nothing but open there's a field. chance. There's nothing but open field every everywhere around. Downtown, you. there's a chance you can find parking that won't cost you. Right, like, you right. might you be find, able to, or like you, meter parking that'll cost you a buck, you right? Know? Or you can park far enough away and walk a bit instead mm-hmm. of paying fifteen, right. twenty dollars. Right. You know, uh, and that—that's hey, at least you have a choice. But out there, that's that's a little underhanded, I think. Some places, yeah. Yeah. Take advantage of nah, it. It feels like they do. But I will say they have a wonderful facility. It's worth So it. you might be able to get away with the exact same price if you park somewhere free and then Uber over there. It's <laughs> <That's> a thought. It's <laughs> a really good thought. I am uh, I'm picking up a distinct citrus on the nose, my friend, on this uh, on this IPA. This is from Other Half Brewing, very well-respected brewery out of Brooklyn, New York. Uh, this is their Space Diamonds Imperial IPA. It has a very lemony, citrusy thing going mm-hmm. on. Um, Ooh. Wow, you're right. Very limiting. This is uh, on the nose. I'm picking up more like that sort of typical mango, pineapple, yeah. hazy IPA. But but on the palate, it's very limiting in a good way. You can also tell that it's pretty big. It's um, it's bitter, but not resinously bitter. It's very bitter. It's not pineapple. It's almost like fruit bitter rather than uh, yeah. It's hop like bitter. fruit. Uh, 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 Fruit zest, like a bitter. like a bitter orange, or or, yeah. or like a blood. It's orange interesting. Or something. I, I kind of like this in in being what it is. Uh, what's other the other half? Space ABV? diamonds, double, double dry hopped IPA, Imperial Pale Ales, eight and a half percent alcohol by volume. So I'm always a little confused as to the difference between a double IPA and an Imperial IPA. A double obviously is higher ABV than just a regular IPA. And Imperial is supposed to be kind of the highest, but what did you say, 8.5? 8.5. I mean, that's high for an IPA, but it's not the highest I've had. 
know, usually when you see, I don't know what the difference. I don't know what the difference between imperial and double is. A hundred and twenty minute IPA is ridiculous. Yeah. Uh, 120 minute, as I understand, it comes in at around the 18. Yeah, I mean that's point. crazy for an IPA. But you got, you know, you got an imperial here, and it's at eight and a half percent. I can bring one next week. Uh, uh, 120 minute? Yeah. Okay, you're on. Just because you offered, yes, yes. <laughs> I love. I will. I will. IPA. I will. I will join you in the so, 120 minute taste. So for uh, just real quickly, uh, this this IPA is nice um, and drinkable. Mm-hmm. Um, but 120 minute IPA is not like any IPA you've had. It's almost not an IPA. And I keep uh, I keep a few in my refrigerator. I have one that's two years old and one that's one years old right now. And how does that age? How does the 120 minute when you age? get to beers that are that big, they all age well. Okay, because usually IPA is something you want to drink cold right. and fresh. IPAs, right, IPAs cold and fresh definitely that is the general rule. But when you get a beer that's that big, yeah. They age well, and the 120 minute benefits greatly from. It. As a matter of fact, if you want to do a vertical on the show, I'll bring the two that I have, which I do believe should be a year apart, and both of them It'd should be, be interesting to taste them next to each other. And then I'll get a fresh one, and we can maybe do a three, uh, three oh, vertical. That'll be fun. Although, so we'll do a 120 minute uh, although, um, vertical. Yeah. If we drink all those during the show, <laughs> I'll have small pours, please. It will, <laughs> it will have to be a small pour. Well, um, let me look at the dates on what I have and make okay. sure that I have uh, two years separate. But I know I have at least a year on all some right, of them. So let's do that in two weeks, which will be um, on Veterans Day on the 11th of uh, of November. And the reason I say that is because uh, next week, Omar with Mountain Fork Brewing will be joining Ooh. us on the show, uh, which will be the first time we've had Mountain Fork on. So right, let's uh, do it. So yeah, so we'll we'll do we'll do your. Um, uh, on the 11th, uh, Joe Breda with Old Lumble Distilling will be with us, and I know he will enjoy doing the uh, vertical with us. Joe so. is uh, so much fun. He really is. Looking forward to that. We got a lot of uh, very interesting, uh, very interesting uh, guests uh, coming up in the next several weeks. Tom Painter with No Label is coming back. They've got something new that he's really excited about. So he's, awesome. He's coming on to bring us something new, and then uh, before we know it, we'll be uh, uh, enjoying a, a visit from Michael Duckworth from True Anomaly Brewing as well. So a lot of good. Uh, Brewing guests coming up on the show. Very exciting. All right. I, I like this IPA. Do you like it? I do. Uh, it's it's not something I would drink a whole bunch of at a time, I think. But, you know, I'm not the IPA guy here. Uh, it's nice, though. I like it. It's right. got a weird Christmas to it and a weird bitter to it that I kind of enjoy. Did you say it has a weird Christmas? Yes. You mean crispness. That's what I said. Christmas. Oh, I thought you, had, I thought you said you had a weird Christmas. No. Oh. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, we had a weird Christmas on the show. <laughs> yes, we did. And I have a feeling we'll have a weird Christmas <laughs> before the year is up. So, all right, we take a break. We'll be right back. Uh, Drinking News is on the way. Plus, in our next segment, we'll we'll kind of bear down a little bit into this uh, most popular beer in every state. So I'm looking forward to sharing right that with now. you. now. Yep. We'll be right back. Smoking and toasting. Smoking with the captain. You're not 
beginning. Welcome back. It's Smoking and Toasting. This program is all about craft beer, fine spirits, and hand-rolled cigars. We are brought to you by MyCigarShirts.com. For thank you uh, for visiting them, since they are our sponsor. And uh, we're having a good uh, a good in studio. It's a, just you and me. I enjoy the shows where we have guests, but sometimes it's fun if it's, it's just you and me. It's refreshing. Yeah. It's uh, and speaking of refreshing, this IPA is great. It's pretty good for idea. an imperial. It uh, it drinks down pretty. I know easily. you went back for seconds. I'm I holding sure out because of our next. Uh, Oh, we're going whiskey next. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and and then you gotta gotta remember this hop and frog imperial brown ale is like fifteen and a half percent. So you're gonna, yeah, you gotta save a little. I'm inclined to like that even before I try. <laughs> I have a feeling that you it's, will. It's imperial. It's brown ale. It's fifteen percent. I like all those things. Uh, let's see how you uh, let's see how you stack up against the average, uh, Ian. According to the World Health Organization, uh, United States residents not only drink more beer than any other type of alcoholic beverage, but the average American drinks 28.2 gallons of beer each year. How do you figure you come out on that uh, on that scale? 28.2 gallons. Well, let me be honest. Um, drinking beer is something that I do. Mm-hmm. And uh, to get good at anything that you do, you really must put in the time and effort. You're and right. Practice. You don't want to just loaf. You know, it's 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 important to to move forward and 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 be strong. Now, let me ask you this question: How do you answer the question when you're going in for your doctor's checkup and they ask you how much alcohol you drink? I tell them a couple of beers a night. Yeah. That's that's generally what I Because it's generally average. There are nights yeah. where I don't drink beer, and right. some Absolutely. nights I drink yeah. a beer. Right. Some nights I drink more than a beer. I leave out the whiskey and, and then the there's tequila. Thursdays. <laughs> right. The show day. Exactly. Oh, it's so ridiculous. Show day. We uh, uh, and, and not only is it Thursday, but it's day drinking. You know, we're doing the show in the afternoon and, uh, and, and putting it I, down. I've said this before. Um, before we did this show, I could count. On two fingers, yeah. How often I would drink during the day, mm-hmm. um, in a year's time, mm-hmm. uh, and I just generally didn't do it um, because not for any other reason than you know, like generally when I have a, a couple drinks and stuff like that, I got about a four hour window, and then I'm kind of. But I had to learn to pace myself once we started this show. Well, I will tell you this: I, I have, I am absolutely not at all inclined to have a stigma about what time it is. When I have my first drink of the day. So for me, it isn't about what the clock says. For me, it's about what I still have to accomplish. Because well, I know that if I, if I start having a, a couple of drinks and really enjoy them, that I may not have the same, um, I don't know, stick-to-itiveness uh, uh, for, for other tasks. So you know, I have, you, you want to you just chill, you know? I have a few things about that. First off, I don't really have a stigma on it. You know, drink when you want to drink. But... Uh, but I have also the same issue is if I have drinks early in the day, then nothing is getting done the rest right. of the day of any real note. Like, I, had, I had to learn just from this show. That being said, I may go home after the show or after a few beers and mow my lawn or something right. like that. Something but that I, doesn't I don't require run. a great deal of concentration. <laughs> right. Right. I don't yeah. I can't go in my workshop and run any power tools. I'm not gonna do You're anything. Not building any guitars. Yeah, I'm yeah. not doing anything yeah. like that. So, uh, so I have to also take that into consideration, and I do that in the evening too. Like if I have, if I have some guitars to repair or some work that needs to get done, I mm-hmm. just, you know, I just can't have beers until after that. Exactly. And I will not run any power tools outside of like a sander um, 
if I've had a beer. I just that's a hard rule in my workshop, and it's just one hundred percent. You think you're topping the twenty eight point two gallons per year? Topping it? Yeah, you think you're going above that? Yeah. <laughs> I think you and I are I'm, both above it. I'm gonna guess. Yeah, I think you and I are both above that because if that's an average, I got to figure, even just based on coming in here and doing every Thursday, we're we're probably yeah right. The cups are small, but hey, there's a lot of small cups. I'm just saying. In a year's time, that's a lot of small cups. I took a friend of mine to a uh, whiskey, uh, a scotch tasting event one night. Yeah. And uh, they gave us the tiny two-ounce cups, mm-hmm. right? And there's mm-hmm. a line at a half an ounce on it. So this is how much you get for each taste. And then they gave us, like, uh, I think it was 14 tickets each, like, with the cost of this. It was right. 50 bucks to get in. And I remember right, Grumbling and going fifty bucks, and all I get is is, is just these little bitty these pours. Little yeah. bitty, I was like, man, trust me, don't worry. <laughs> yeah, you're gonna be just fine. So we're halfway through our tickets, and he's starting to realize, oh, this is this is actually okay. And we're sitting outside on a patio at this event place, mm-hmm. and I'm smoking a cigar, and I feel a tap on my shoulder, and the lady on the bench behind me turns around and goes, hey. Uh, me and my husband are about to leave. Do you want our tickets? Oh, no. <laughs> Needless to say. I'm just saying, it's a good thing we Ubered there. Yeah, no kidding. We couldn't no even kidding. give away the tickets by the end of the night. We had so many tickets, we were just, just hammered and having a great time. Years ago, I was uh, on the radio in San Antonio, and I got uh, asked to come be a judge for one of those uh, food festival things, you know, where the all the restaurants bring... You know, come into a booth and they make their signature dish and some sort of signature cocktail or glass of wine or, or beer, or whatever. So I get down there and there's radio personalities from several of the different stations, and uh, they're handing them clipboards. Okay, sir, you're you're going to be uh, doing uh, the desserts. Uh, you'll be judging the um, uh, you know the uh, entrees. You'll be judging. Well, they get to me. I'm last. They get to me and they hand me a clipboard and said, uh, and you, uh, Mr. Cruz, uh, you'll be judging the uh, alcoholic beverages. So I went, they were, again, all small pours, but it was in the convention center. Like, I was going from booth to booth. And by the way, mixing every kind of spirit and uh, and beer and wine known to man. It was, uh, uh, needless to say... I was very happy I had someone that I was with that could drive me home. That's like, that's, you know, yeah. you walk into a place at 90 degrees, you walk out at about 30 oh, to yeah. 40 Easily degrees. Easily 30 to 40, yes. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, so we're, we're talking that's about compass degrees, yeah, by the way. Just yes, so you know, exactly. we're talking about what beer. Uh, we're talking about beer. Twenty-eight. What did I say? Twenty-eight point two. Uh, Twenty-eight point two gallons of beer uh-huh. each year is the average American's beer consumption. And what is the favorite beer in every state in Alabama? It's Budweiser. And that Budweiser, mm-hmm. I'm guessing, is going to be the favorite in a lot of these states because it's it's a big seller. Budweiser or Bud Light, right? In Arizona, Dos Equis. Oh, interesting. Okay. Is, is the most popular. And this is based on sales. This uh, comes from, by the way, the same. Uh, it comes from the TOP Data Beer Report, uh, doing the most popular beer in every state in the continental U.S., from imported ales to local brews. Uh, so whatever whatever sells the most is, uh, is what they're presenting as the winner. Uh, so the uh, Mexican-born beer Dos Equis was also the most popular in Arizona, and it also cracked the top five, they say, in Alabama, Tennessee, and Texas. So that's kind of interesting. Arkansas goes Budweiser. California goes Budweiser. That surprises me a little because <clears throat> between Los Angeles and San Francisco, you would think there'd be enough 
you know, uh, maybe maybe there's such and San Diego, maybe there's such a diverse craft beer scene that it's hard to get a consensus. I wonder if so Budweiser, Budweiser causes wins by cancer default. and has been known to cause cancer in the state of uh, in the state of California. I don't know. Pretty much everything causes cancer in the state of California. I know I it's amazing. That's why I don't want to live there. That's what I'm thinking. Colorado, the Denver Beer Company is the uh, favorite beer. Uh, Coors Light earned the state's number five spot, but Colorado <laughs> beer. Uh, some some hometown pride there with their favorite brews. Hold on a second. <coughs> we're back to commentary. We're, yeah, we're back to the commentary. Brian, uh, Wiki Brian says twenty three gallons equals uh, two thousand nine hundred forty four ounces equals two hundred forty five twelve ounce beers, roughly five beers a week. Hmm, that's the average. Well, that, that's a lot. Yes, he did the I'm math. I'm thinking for an average. I'm, I'm not saying Five it's a lot for me. Five beers in a week. That is probably less than I drink substantially. Yeah, well, you and I are helping tick that average up is what I'm guessing. Yes. Because, because there are some people who don't drink at all. Drink so they're all. adding a zero. Which I think, uh, like the so uh, back to the list that we're talking about mm-hmm. here, to bring it back, I think the casual beer drinker, guys who aren't that serious about it, they tend to go macro brew because that's all they know. They don't right. know right. They, what else is going on mm-hmm. with it. and um, That appears to be the case in Connecticut, where Bud Light is the mm-hmm. favorite. In Delaware, go Delaware. Dogfish Head. All six is the people most in Delaware. Popular, right? It's only six people, but they love them some dogfish. <laughs> dogfish it, Head's it's awesome. It's six people, and it's seven when uh, President Biden goes home for Delaware the gets street cred for that one. Yeah, yeah, big time. That's that's the best we've seen so far. Of course, we're moving alphabetically. Florida. This surprised me a little. Stella. Ah, okay. Stella Artois in in uh, uh, in Florida. It's their most most beloved beer, uh, but Bud Light and Budweiser do the second and third spots there. In Georgia, the most popular beer is Terrapin. Have you had Terrapin beer? Yes. And what's your take on Terrapin it? Terrapin makes great beers. Okay, they have well. the uh, they have the turtle on there. Uh, ah, you've, well. you've probably seen. It. If you go to Louisiana, you can get it. Um, you don't generally see Terrapin here in uh, Texas, but. If you go in Louisiana, you can get the Terrapin Bruce. Well, go Georgia. And they have it on tap a lot of times in some of the uh, Louisiana bars. Big supporters of their mm-hmm. local brew because it is from Georgia, apparently. Idaho is Budweiser. Illinois. Utah. Illinois. Goose Island. Nice. So even though it now is owned by uh, AB and Bev, by they're, still, Bush, they're still, they're still to loyal to Goose tells. Island in their, uh, in their home state. So that's pretty cool. In Indiana, they go Miller Lite. In Iowa, they go Budweiser. Kansas is Coors Light. Isn't that interesting? That right? Because it's not like it's next door to to Colorado. You know, it just turns out to be what they like. I guess uh, Kentucky Budweiser, Louisiana Abita. Not surprising. Yeah, yeah it, Abita it, it Turbo Dog is there. fantastic. Yeah, it is. And and although it's not, they're not my favorite Louisiana brewery because it's hard to compete with with uh, Nola and Parish. And to me, yeah, those are like yeah. Louisiana's uh, finest. But, but but also they've been around forever. Like they've been around for a long time in the in the uh, in the yes. terms of yes, craft for beer. sure. Uh, in Maine, the most popular beer is Budweiser, although Allagash, uh, which comes out of Portland, is uh, in second place. I'm a little surprised, having spent some time in Maine, um, because they're fiercely independent. Uh, I know in Portland, Maine, I was there when the first Starbucks opened in Portland, Maine, and the. People, the good people of Portland drove past it every night and threw rocks through the window. No, oh, because oh. they didn't want no national chain, Seattle-based uh, 
you know, company coming in and trying to tell them about coffee. So I'm a little surprised. Or, that or they could just one. not buy coffee there. <clears throat> well, yeah, they could. Yes, but you got to understand, Maine. I I lived in Massachusetts at the time, but I had a bit of business in Maine. Uh, I was what the people, the good people of Maine, referred to me and my other uh, fellow Massachusetts dwellers as massholes. That's what that's what we were called. Yeah. So, uh, so anyway, uh, Maryland goes Budweiser. Massachusetts goes Budweiser. Which now that one shocks me more than anything because I thought Massachusetts would totally be Boston Beer Company right. and be Sam Adams. Uh, and of course, there's so many great breweries in Massachusetts from uh, Harpoon to Clown Shoes to uh, there's there's so many. Uh, Budweiser wins in Michigan and again talk about a state where there's great craft breweries. Man, Michigan, <clears throat> it's hard to go wrong with breweries in Michigan. Maybe the, again it's one of those things where there's so much choice that the macro beer kind of wins by default because the the craft beer vote gets split up among possible. all the different craft beers. Minnesota goes Budweiser, Mississippi Lazy Magnolia. Are you familiar? No. I've spent a little time in Mississippi, not much. If you've never had a Lazy Magnolia, they say you must not be from Mississippi. They earned the state honors, followed by Budweiser. In Missouri, this should be no you know, no contest, Budweiser. Um, in Montana, it's Budweiser. In Nebraska, it's a beer called Nebraska Black Betty. Are you familiar? Black Betty? Nebraska Black Betty. Oh, never heard of it. Uh, it's their favorite beer, and it's produced by the Nebraska Brewing Company. In Nevada, it's Coors Light. In New Hampshire, it's Budweiser. In New Jersey, it's Miller Light. In New Mexico, it's La Cumbre. That's a local brew in Albuquerque. Huh. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty impressed. Oh. I just took a drink of this whiskey. I'm pretty impressed with that, too. <laughs> what do you think right. about it? <laughs> we'll get back to that in a minute because we only got a few more states here. All right. New York, Budweiser. North Carolina, Bud Light. North Dakota. Most popular beer is Fargo. I've never had a Fargo I've beer. I've never had a Fargo beer. I've seen the movie and loved it, uh, but, uh, but I've <laughs> never had I suppose that's your buddy in the chipper. <laughs> <laughs> so good. That movie is so good. Can The Coen bro- the Coen Brothers can do no wrong. I'm just saying. Such a bizarre. I love how uh, every time saying. they're talking about uh, Steve Schumer, I don't know, he's just kind of funny looking like everybody <laughs> Ohio. Heineken. Heineken. Isn't that bizarre? Uh. <clears throat> Oklahoma. Budweiser. Oregon. Budweiser. Pennsylvania, surprise, Bud Light. Ha! Edges out Yingling, I guess. Uh, wow. I'd yeah. like to see what the numbers are on that. says, while Yingling may be the most famous beer made in Pennsylvania, it didn't even number against the, mo- the top five most popular wow. beers in the state. It was Bud Light that earned Pennsylvania's top spot. In Rhode Island, Narragansett beer uh, was the, uh, was the winner. One. Uh, it's a local beer in, uh, and it's their most popular brew, followed by Bud Light, Budweiser, Heineken, and Stella. South Carolina goes Budweiser. South Dakota, Budweiser. Tennessee, Budweiser. All right, Ian. Moment of truth. Our home state, Texas. Bud Light. Nope. Am I going to be happier than that? You're going to be happier than Bud Light. Lone Star. That actually makes me a yeah, lot happier. I was pretty happy too. I mean, it's like, like, you know, it's it's certainly not my favorite beer, but it's a it's a drinkable so, beer. Lone Star <laughs> buying secrets. First off, drink Lone Star cold because as cold as you can get it, my friends. Because that's the way to drink Lone Star. It doesn't stand up when it's real warm, uh, but it's better than the alternatives by a long shot. <clears throat> yep. Also, 
It's cheaper to buy two six packs mm-hmm. of Tall Boys yep. than it is to buy one 12 pack of 12 ounce cans. <laughs> Keep that thought in mind when you're shopping, ladies and gentlemen. Shopping tips from Ian Barry <laughs> yeah. on smoking and toasting. Uh, the most popular beer in the Lone Star State is Lone Star Beer, even though it's owned by Pabst Blue Ribbon. It's still thought of as our state beer. Yeah. And uh, <clears throat> that was recent. That was like 10 years ago, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, it wasn't that long ago when it actually sold. Interesting and enough. And they're headquartered in San Antonio. Mm-hmm. Uh, in uh, Utah, the favorite beer is Budweiser. In Vermont, it's Bud Light. In Virginia, it's Budweiser. In Washington State, it's Bud Light, which is crazy because they've got... But again, see, I think some of the states like Washington uh, and California, where they have such great craft brewing scenes... There isn't a craft beer that dominates largely enough to be the state's favorite, so the macro wins out. West Virginia Budweiser, Wisconsin, Spotted Cow. Why does everything in Wisconsin have to be so weird? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, It is uh, produced by New New Glarus. Uh, It's a Wisconsin-based New Glarus brewing company. Spotted Cow is the most popular beer in the Badger State. That's awesome. Wyoming goes for Snake River. That sounds interesting. I, I just like the name. I, I would try that just based solely on the name. Just sounds uh, But nasty. I've not had it. And and there you go. That's your uh, continental U.S. states and the favorite beer in each. Let's talk about whiskey. Let's do. Because this is, uh, well, I've already had some, and I'm telling you, I'm excited to go back for more. Japanese make whiskey the same way <clears throat> they make everything with absolute precision. Mm-hmm. Sometimes they almost over-engineer it. Mm-hmm. Not quite like the Germans. But that's not the case here. But this is fantastic whiskey, isn't it? Oh, my goodness, it's wonderful. It just has this wonderful finish and aftertaste that is so deliciously caramelly, smoky. And fruity. Yep. How bizarre. Smoky, fruity, and with with a bit of caramel on the finish. There's a sweetness to this that underlies the whole thing. There's a... uh, Mm. There's okay, a, a bad uh, thing just happened. <laughs> and it isn't about the mess I made. It's about the whiskey I lost. There's <laughs> a, uh, there is a caramel, a sweet vanilla thing going on underneath everything. The maltiness mm-hmm. backbone cuts through everything like a laser the entire time. This is almost like you can taste the engineering that went into its exactness. You know, it's, it's so interesting you describe it that way because it really does come off like that. It's got a, it's got a precision to it. That is not something you usually when you talk about whiskey, you're talking about craftsmen and artisanship. Yeah, and here it's more like, man, they got the, they this they is laser engineering and got it just right. And it's almost to a point where like <clears throat> it's it's almost weird, but yeah, it's delicious. But it's not. It's it's weirdly this, delicious. This bottle. Can you even guess how much this costs? Uh, I, I, my my initial guess, just because it's a really delicious Japanese whiskey, would be in the neighborhood of eighty to one hundred. Fifty five dollars. Are you kidding me? Wow, that um, makes it probably the best Japanese whiskey for the money that I've had. Miserana oak uh, casks, chill filtered or unchill filtered. It says um, it is at forty three percent, so just just a hair overproof. That's all the information you get on here, and then you drink it. It's and fantastic. It is, it is so interesting because I don't know exactly. Like this to me tastes a little like a, a departure for Japanese, in that a lot of times Japanese whiskeys 
feel like they're trying to make an exact version of a whiskey. Mm-hmm. And that and I don't mean that in any kind of bad way. I'm just saying that sometimes they go for this kind of scotch or that kind of scotch. Well, yeah, well you talked about it. They're the Japanese and, and approach make, things with a with a certain emphasis on precision. Make and no design. doubt about it, if you taste this you will think it is scotch. Oh yeah. Okay. Oh yeah, it comes across. It cannot that way. be called scotch obviously cuz it's made in, you know, in Japan. Japan. Yeah, right. But um but this is their version of a scotch whiskey. I don't feel like they went specifically for an exact scotch whiskey on this. I feel like they went for the flavor profile. I, f- I feel like they added in what they wanted to and what they liked about it. And this has a lot of cool things in it. It has that smoky. It's very impressive. That the smokiness smoky, is, is my favorite thing right about it. It's right off the very top, almost uh Almost just a kiss of like peat smoke going on. Honestly, yes, but not so much that it comes off as a peat whiskey. Man, that it it fills the palate and then comes out of the nose. But there is this sweetness that underlies the whole thing, and it contains cinnamon. It contains um, uh, uh, it contains vanilla. It contains caramel. It contains malt. It contains so many things going on in this whiskey. So. This is really interesting to me because I'm I'm, I'm less um, educated in whiskey than you. But we've been doing this show for a while. You've introduced me to some wonderful things. I've learned to enjoy peated whiskey, but I'm still not. It's still not an area I automatically gravitate to. I've enjoyed some. I've, I've enjoyed it more as I've tried more things. But this to me does something that's just almost perfect because on the initial. Uh, palette, I get all of the things that you've been talking about, the vanilla and the uh, sort of precision whiskey flavors. And then if I stop to enjoy the retrohale, there's this wonderful light to medium peatiness that just goes, oh, yeah. But this not... This is why people like But it's whiskey. a smoky peat, and it's not yes. into the realm of what people like to call medicinal or Band-Aid. It's right. actually no, it's just not, a not light... It's, but it's just very enjoyable. It's just a light, delicious flavor. Imagine peat being a spice. Mm-hmm. This is like having just a kiss of that spice. But you get it more But it's on, very present. But you get it more on the retrohale or, than you do Or, on for the instance, having a big jalapeno flavor without the big jalapeno heat. This does that with the peat. Speaking of jalapeno, I just have to mention this. You uh, were running sound for an event a couple of weekends ago. The Montrose at, Beer and Gun Club Chili Cook-Off yes, that we I, have every year. I run sound for it every I year. I think we talked about it. Uh, and it was one of those things where you pay like a $20 ticket at uh-huh. the gate. And then uh, there's food stations set up with different food trucks or, or restaurants or whatever from around the city that come in and do a booth and serve their one thing. There was one. I, I was there because... Uh, uh, one of my wife's uh, friends was performing. Mm. Um, the the place that had the jalapeno tamale, the tamalapeno, tamalapeno. Oh my god! This was a half a jalapeno uh, roasted. Yep, and then uh, and then, and a, then a tamale kind of laid into with it, tamale into it. on top. Oh, oh, oh my god! So that was good. so good, <laughs> so good. It'll make you take back stuff you didn't even steal. Yeah, it was well, unbelievable. Well, this this. Whiskey was just kind of reminds me of that in a way, even though it's crazy windy here today. Even though we are not, uh, you know, it's it's not a spicy whiskey, but it's just got all these different things going on, and then you get a completely different thing on the retrohale, mm-hmm. which is where the peat comes in. I like this, and then very aftertaste much. wise, crisp, clean mm-hmm. mineral water. Mm-hmm. 
so much going on in this yeah, whiskey. It's a good whiskey. Wow, very nice. Well, thank you for bringing that in. It does that. Kayo, K-A-I-Y-O, if you're looking for this. Is this fairly easy to find? Uh, I've know. seen it at Specs. I've seen it at uh, uh, the bigger uh Mm-hmm. Uh, liquor stores. Okay. I don't know that your small independents, unless they have a particular penchant for Japanese whiskey, may or may not right. have it. I don't know how ubiquitous it is either, because I, I haven't shopped for it. Like I said, this was a gift. And you're so. telling me this is this is well under a hundred dollars. This is in the fifty. This is fifty to sixty dollars. I wow. think almost anywhere you go. Totally worth it. And, totally. and fantastic. Totally worth it. And yeah. the bottle's real nice too. Like if you're into a Japanese whiskey, if you just want a Japanese whiskey on the shelf, this one is interesting enough. It's the right price point. And it's a fantastic example of it. Well, that would be a candidate for America's or for the world's most underrated whiskeys. We will present this list to you uh, coming up here. It's from Forbes.com. So it's not the Rob Report, but almost, you know, <laughs> so right. Forbes.com. So we'll be presenting you this list of the most underrated whiskeys in the world. And we have something else to taste. Hoppin' Frog Brewing Company's re-repeat American Imperial Brown Ale. And as if all of that wasn't enough, it's just about time for drinking news. Oh, yeah. We'll be right back. It's smoking and toasting. Just about Back, it is smoking and toasting this radio program and podcast and video extravaganza that is all about craft beer, fine spirits, and hand rolled cigars. So, yeah, uh, is that just you refilling your glass? Is that what that is? Oh, yeah, yeah, all right, I love it, I love it. You need all some right. more? Uh, sure, I'm not gonna turn that down. Uh, thank you, that's uh, that's really, really good stuff. Um, okay, so, um, it, there's a lot going on in this segment, we have uh, uh, an opportunity to talk to you about the most underrated whiskeys in the world. And we're going to do a little tasting of this re-repeat Imperial Brown Ale with a very high ABV. And, of course, as if all that weren't enough, it is time, ladies and gentlemen, for Drinking News. Drinking News, Drinking News, now it's time for Drinking News. A Florida man with one arm said he had a gator for a pet. When asked about his absent arm, he said, uh, I had to take my gator to the vet. Drinking news, drinking news. Now it's time for drinking news. Cheers, y'all. You notice the the the, the pause mm-hmm. right after the uh, gator to the vet line. Yes. I'm really working on making that the perfect pause. The perfect pause. Yeah, it has to be just long enough, just but not too long. Exactly. Yeah. I, I, it's like in The Conga by uh, Gloria <coughs> Estefan in the Miami Sound Machine, when she says, there's no way it's going to stop. And you just, come, <laughs> I'm going to take your body, stops, baby. Yeah. yeah, okay, yeah. You're, you're with me. I just dated myself there, I think. But there, those, those of you who are older will understand and enjoy the reference to the conga. <laughs> uh, all right, drinking news uh, for episode number 257. Let me remind you, uh, those of you who are the uh, smoking and toasting faithful, that drinking news is a story that we gather from somewhere that actually happened, or at least was reported on by the legitimate news media. Uh, not a story from The Onion or from National Lampoon, but something that was at least thought to have really happened and achieved some level of, of media coverage. Um, these are are not always, although they are occasionally, stories about drinking, 
but they are always stories that are best consumed if you have been drinking. And we're drinking Japanese whiskey, so this works out perfectly for me. Ah. An unidentified hiker. All right. Who may or may not have been a Florida man. <laughs> uh, ventured out to explore Mount Elbert, Colorado's highest peak, last week. And did not return by the end of the day as planned. A person who was worried about the man's safety called the authorities to report him missing. So first, emergency responders with the Lake County Search and Rescue Team in Leadville, about 100 miles southwest of Denver, called the hiker's cell phone, according to officials. Mm -hmm. The call was declined. The rescue team kept trying. But repeated calls and texts to the hiker's phone went unanswered. So a team of at least eight launched a pair of hours-long searches, only to eventually be notified that the hiker had safely returned to the lodging location that they'd started out at by the next day. When they finally came to the lodge and located the hiker, the man told the rescuers that he was not aware they'd been looking for him. Despite the fact that he was well overdue and his friends were very concerned that something bad had happened to him, the hiker told authorities that, yeah, his phone had been buzzing repeatedly, but he declined each one of the calls but they, because they were coming from a number he did not recognize. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, spam callers. Yeah. Uh, the incident has led the Lake County Search and Rescue Team to share a lesson for hikers. If you're overdue, according to your itinerary, and you start getting repeated calls from an unknown number, Please answer the phone. It may be a team trying to confirm that you're safe, uh, the department has said in a statement. Uh, recent rescues by the department have included a number of hikers who had broken bones and weren't able to make their way back to their campsite, uh, and a 75-year-old woman who was found hanging from a tree. Oh! Don't ask me. <laughs> um, so if you're hiking and you're overdue and you actually have something other than AT&T and you've got service... Uh, you might want to answer the phone if it keeps ringing. Uh, it could be rescuers trying to find you. Or it could actually be that your automobile warranty is about to expire, and we all know how important that call can be. Or it might be Ann from Account Services. It, it could be that someone calls you and says, hey, we'd like to rescue you, but first yeah. you have to send us your bank account information. That's exactly right. All important calls to take, I'm just saying. And that is your drinking news. Drinking news. Now it's time for drinking news. Cheers, y'all. I was going to try to see if the cheers, y'all, would sound any different if I took a swallow of the whiskey right before I said it. Oh. If it would give me any of that gravity. Give you that whiskey, whiskey voice. voice. Yeah, I don't know. A little, don't little know bit of that Greg Allman going <laughs> on. Yeah, oh, Greg Allman. Yeah, yeah, that'd be good. I read an interview with Greg Allman where uh, to get his blues voice, he used to. Hang his uh, head out of the uh, tour bus and just start yelling at people That'll on the it. way to That'll the show. Yeah. Hey, yo! I'm getting my whiskey voice. <laughs> that was pretty funny. Mm, fun times. Well, uh, thank you guys so much for uh, joining us here for Smoking and Toasting. Uh, Ian, I think we'll get to the world's most underrated whiskeys, but first, I think we should try these little cans are just like beckoning to me. They're adorable. Tell me what you can find from the uh, can information here. Uh, there's not a lot of information on here. Hoppin' Frog, uh, happy 35th, 34th anniversary, re-repeat three times. Mm -hmm. American mm -hmm. Imperial Brown Ale, 15.6 alcohol by volume. That's a lot for a brown this is ale, an let me just tell you. This 8.45 ounce can. This is the same can. Remember, the uh, like you get the original uh, 
uh, what do you call it? The original um, uh, Red Bull energy drink. Yeah, Red Bull. Yeah, 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 that's what I was thinking about. It's the tiny Red Bull can. Well, I'll tell you, at fifteen, would you say fifteen point eight? Fifteen point. I've never had a brown ale with that high of an ABV before. Six. Yeah, fifteen point six. Uh, brown ales are usually around the eight percent tops. Sometimes brown even ales less. can vary. This because uh, if you get like a uh, what is what is the one that's super popular that. Uh, well, Newcastle uh, makes Newcastle. one, and I yeah, think it's I think a it's like, six percent. Yeah, five yeah. or six. Yeah, exactly. So this should be a very. Interesting We're obviously one. opening two of these, so I'm not. That's pour why I brought two. Yeah. Conservatively, that's why I brought two. Although at fifteen point six percent, yeah, just be warned. Pass that over to Adam, and here we go. At fifteen point six percent. Wow. Okay, so I've never gotten a nose on a brown ale that's anything like this. This is like a brown sugar burnt caramel ale with lots of booziness to it. What's the Lagunitas, the uh, the brown sugar Lagunitas? Little something something, is that it? Is it little, little something something. something. It has it. some of that Yeah. kind of smell to it. And, but it's got a real distinct booziness to it, too, just on the nose. Yeah, you definitely kind of get that. It also has a... There's a little burnt toast kind of thing going on. Mm-hmm. And and dark fruits like and fruit terp- fruits. Like a turbinado sugar. Yeah. Dates and this is and, just and, the nose. I haven't even tried right. it yet. This isn't even the taste. It's just the nose. Well, uh, go for it there, my friend. I'll let you go first. This is... Wow. Um, you know how... Um, when I have a uh, <clears throat> barley wine mm-hmm. and somebody puts too much hops in it, it really upsets me. Mm-hmm. It's a little like that, except for the hops in this work so well. So you're right. It is hoppier and it is maybe a little more carbonated, more like an American style barley wine. But it works better than some of those do uh, on the palate to me. <sighs> the first thing I get is I get coffee and brown sugar. Like coffee, it, almost like somebody took a creme brulee. And made it, it is. and the pudding in it is coffee and coffee based. You know how of, the the burnt crust on a creme brulee can mm-hmm. be bitter, like mm-hmm. very bitter. That's the way the hops come across on this in that right. kind of sweet bitter. But in that burnt bitter sort of dark yeah, bitter, burnt, not a, not in a pine bitter. cone bitter. It's, but a, yeah, it's not a bright flavor. It's interesting. This is this is an incredibly interestingly crafted beer. I, I absolutely think it's delicious. Like, it's good. I love this. It's good. I'm still developing my ideas on it, but it's real good. Mm-hmm. Like, and 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 what's funny is, as hoppy as this is, uh, this is in a lot of beers. I wouldn't generally you wouldn't like want that. that much hops. I, I agree. I think it's working. Like this is way hoppier than I thought. Even like, even though they said American Imperial Brown Ale, which anytime they put American, it's in front of a different style, mm-hmm. it's going to have more hops. Right. Just like an American barley wine. Is hoppier it's, than a, so the a, more I sip this, the hop profile on this almost gives it a peppery aftertaste. I agree. As weird as that sort is. Sort of a top of the tongue uh, peppery aftertaste. Yeah, aftertaste. right on the very yeah. tip of the tongue. That's fantastic. What else? I, it just keeps I, doing stuff. I love it. I think it's fantastic. Mm, mm. Burnt caramel for days. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The burnt caramel is... If you've ever had a creme brulee and they maybe stayed just a second too long with the torch, 
That's what it reminds me. Yeah, of. Yeah, and mean, this it's, it's like funny just, because all the flavors on this are very. They're no deep, deep flavors to mm-hmm. this. They're not like. They're not like super deep, rich flavors. They're all right on top, and they're all just flowing across the palate, one at a time. Uh, I will say, the more of it I drink, the more I I perceive the hops. Yeah, and smell it, smell it, mm-hmm. smell it. Now that you've had a few. Oh yeah, and it smells like a hop bomb, which it didn't at first. Really, mm-hmm. it's weird. No, at first I was getting more of the coffee and the uh, the darker flavors. Now the hop is uh, is oh. coming through more prominently. That is incredibly interesting. Mm-hmm. It's hoppier than I would have thought. I like it. Go back to the uh, go back to the whiskey. Oh, uh, what does it do? It's it makes the whiskey smell like brown sugar. Brown sugar and peat. Again, not overwhelming peat. It's not. It's not Lagavulin, but it sort of brings That's that flavor good, out. It's kind of good. You're right. It does definitely bring out the peat in the whiskey, mm-hmm. which is funny because it's called re-repeat. And now, when you go back to the brown ale, it comes off a little peaty as well. So it's an interesting combination. Fascinating stuff. Fascinating stuff. Well, if you're even an occasional whiskey consumer, you're aware of names like Pappy Van Winkle or Port Ellen or Yamazaki or the McCollin. Uh, and if you're a full-blown connoisseur... You curse the fact that you can't find them, <laughs> you know, on the Curses. shelves anymore. Uh, the mainstreaming of uh, brown spirits across all categories, bourbon, rye, scotch, Irish, Japanese, is one of the, uh, according to this article in Forbes, the 21st century's great commercial success stories. Uh, but all this liquid, of course, takes time to mature. So it means that in the whiskey business, uh, supply effectively lags demand by several years and sometimes uh, several decades. Uh, no distillery in the late 90s was laying down the liquid necessary to satisfy the thirsts of today. Yeah. So that's why it can be so hard to to just find some of these things because there aren't enough bottles I to think go around. The, the craft uh, brewing and distilling industry mm-hmm. has just boomed. I think, I think people are just more aware that there's more than your standard big uh, 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 standard Captain Morgans and, mm-hmm. and and Clan McGregors and things like that. Like they just now they understand that there's a lot of flavors out there right. in, within a category. Well, I love. I think I'm going to love this article because it says for every bottle of Pappy 15, there's a bourbon of comparable quality that costs a tenth as much. All right, now you're speaking my language. Yeah, buddy. Uh, it may even be collecting dust as you read this. The experts know that, and now so do you. Be, uh, what follows here is the industry's top-selling authors revealing a bar full of underrated gems. All right, everybody out there, don't listen to this because I want to be able to buy some of these. <laughs> All right, here you go. Uh, Glen Scotia. So good. Uh-huh. I have a bottle that has about an inch left in it on my shelf, and it is so good. It tends to be overlooked in favor of other whiskeys. It's like 60 but bucks. But they're saying uh, uh, Neil Ridley, author of The World of Whiskey, says it's like no other whiskey he's ever tried. It is incredibly unique in the whole mm-hmm. world of scotch. Mm-hmm. And what, did they have a price on it? I think it's right around 60 bucks. right? I think that's right, yes. Yeah, it's amazing. Yep, absolutely. Uh, 52 for the double cask. Yeah. Is Amazing. The suggested retail. Uh, and then we come to Spayburn, the 10 year single malt scotch oh. at $34. Crazy. Mm-hmm. Uh, the uh, 
author of Whiskey Masterclass, Lou Bryson, says, I don't contribute to these stories anymore. I've seen too many whiskeys soar in price or disappear after appearing on them, and I wouldn't have uh, anything more to do with it. I won't have anything more to do uh, to do with them. Uh, no slam on you. It's the crazed hoarders. Weller, Heaven Hill Bonded Six, Old Granddad, Elijah Craig, Redbreast, Glen Throws, Highland Park, everything Japanese. But then he says, oh, well, I actually think Spaber and Tin is underrated, but no one will ever believe that. So that's the uh, that's the that, that whiskey list you just rattled off yep. is my whiskey shelf. <laughs> uh, well, see, so you've done good at getting a, a hand on some of those things, right? And I finally found a combat bottle of Weller that was priced appropriately. Mm-hmm. So I, I Weller's been on my shelf for years now. It's one of my 100% go-tos. It's cheap. It's mm-hmm. delicious. And then earlier this year... Somebody got a memo, and now you can't find it. Uh, and now see, people are selling a regular size bottle that I used to buy for eighteen dollars. They're selling it for twenty eight dollars right, and well, thirty two dollars. Well, here's here's a savings. Here's a little economy for you. Evan Williams bottled in bond twelve dollars. Fred Minnick, who's the author of Bourbon Curious, says, I've been a longtime drinker of this because it's so damn inexpensive and it's always available. Last year I did a blind tasting where I put it in a flight with other inexpensive bourbons and that beautiful nutmeg-drenched $12 bottle won handily. Evan Williams. Evan Williams. Bottled in Bond, $12. Uh, Oppidan Smoke Plus C. Smoke and C at $40. Never heard of it. Uh, it's a... Uh, a weird little whiskey, Kara uh, Newman says. Uh, a bourbon finished in scotch cast, so it's sort of sweet, sort of smoky, sort of saline. It doesn't fit neatly into any category, but it deserves more love. So mm, it would make a wild penicillin, as she says. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, Akashi White Oak for $47. A lot of new distilleries in Japan, but the most underrated one, according to uh, Stefan Van Aken, is, uh, is the... Uh, okay. I'm just ta- no. I'm just taking a minute to say this right. Igashima Distillery, who bottled their uh, single malt expressions under the Akashi brand. Nice. So yeah, I was just trying not to butcher that word. Anyway, they're hardly the new kids on the block, but uh, uh, but they've got this uh, pretty uh, pretty fearsome uh, Japanese whiskey uh, called White Oak at forty seven dollars. Uh, Bell Mead Sherry Cask Finished Bourbon. Have you had this? Yes. Uh, Bell it's, Mead. It's about $86 a bottle. Here's the deal. Bell Mead has a bunch of expressions, mm-hmm. and they're all mm-hmm. pretty darn good. Mm-hmm. And they're all over the board price-wise. They say uh, they don't get as much attention as many whiskey brands out there, but they're producing incredible juice. I'm partial. Cat O'Dell, uh, the author of Day Drinking, says to the sherry barrel expression because I love uh, spirits with nutty umami notes. Let's talk about that for a second. Glenn Morangi. Glenn Morangi sorry, I'm pronouncing mm-hmm. that wrong. Uh, La Santa, how great is that? Is under fifty dollars. Yeah, and you would not think it would be. Now I want to tell you, a few years back it was sixty-five dollars. Mm-hmm. I have no problem paying that. Under fifty dollars for Glenmorangie La Santa, go buy it uh, now. It's so good. It really is. And how good is the um, uh, the Spios? Spios. Spiosh. I, I still remember our uh, so our luncheon that we had where they had the uh, guys from the distillery yeah, yeah. Uh, in on the video screen and listening to them say the, the name Spiosh in a way that only only the Scottish can truly I mean, when I say it, I off. sound like I'm trying to be Sean Connery. Right, exactly. But it, does, it doesn't translate quite the same. <laughs> uh, i tell you what does translate. 
1920 Prohibition style bourbon Old Forester. Shit, yeah. Sixty dollars and uh, makes the list. Lack of a better uh, word, they say. Uh, it's a shelf turd, meaning that it's always in your liquor store. Yeah, you can so always uh, find Prohibition it. style bottled in bond. So many of the Old Foresters mm-hmm. are so good. Uh, how about the Glen Goyne uh, eighteen-year single malt? Are you familiar with There's this? There's nothing wrong with that. It's one hundred and sixty dollars a bottle, so it's not cheap. It's spelled Glen Goyne. Yeah, is, Glen is, Goyne. But it's pronounced, I think, like you said, Glen Goyne. Uh, maybe one of the best price value deals in the Scotch repertoire. They say hundred uh, percent sherry barrel matured, not a trace of peat, and eighteen years old. It uh, maintains a richness. And so one hundred and eighty dollars. You said. 18 mm-hmm. years old. 160 I $160, think. 18 yep. years old. is uh, There's not a lot of 18-year-old <clears throat> whiskeys. That you can get at that price. Uh, that you can get at that price that are that good. Yeah. Is, uh, yeah. How about Compass Box? Great King Street Blended Scotch Whiskey. Man, at that's, 60 bucks. that's one I see, but I don't think I've ever tried it. I've so seen it Amanda, so much. Amanda Schuster, the author of the book uh, New York Cocktails, says... Never underestimate the value of a good scotch blend. This one ticks off all the boxes. It sips elegantly neat, tastes great in a highball, and plays well with juices and other cocktail modifiers. So, very interesting. Nice. You uh, know uh, you know who I go to for exactly what you said is Monkey Shoulder, 100%. Oh, Monkey Shoulder. You know you brought Monkey, Monkey Shoulder, Shoulder in badass. on the very first episode of this show. It's great. I know. And I've been craving it ever mm-hmm. since. I need to go get some. Uh, Ian, can I borrow 14 bucks? Sure. Okay, I just need $14 because I need to go buy a bottle of Evan Williams Black Label mm. at $14. Uh, it's everything that bourbon is supposed to be. It's 86 proof. It's got a little spice. And uh, while still having that rounded bourbon feel, and here's the secret, bourbon's not supposed to be expensive. This is according to uh, John McCarthy and Carrie Jones, nice. the co-authors of Be Your Own Bartender. Uh, it's great neat on the rocks or as a shot, a workhorse in cocktails, and under $15. Okay, so this next one is, <coughs> I've got this in my bar, and I've got about that much left, and I'm just hoarding it. The Balvini Doublewood 12. Oh, yeah. This is one of my all-time favorite whiskeys, uh, says uh, Dan Dunn, the author of American Wino. Uh, and he says it doesn't, he doesn't see it getting the love it deserves. Um, he, uh, David uh, Stewart, who's been at Balvenie for nearly 60 years, routinely cites this expression as his all-time favorite, and it's usually around $60 a bottle. Best value going, in my opinion. David Stewart, by the way, is the one that um, when we were talking about spiosh. Yes. So, him. so there you go. There is your, um, there is your top underrated whiskeys in the world. That whiskey right there that you were just talking about is so fantastic. And one time, I, I saw the double wood on the shelf, and I grabbed it, and we had mm-hmm. this conversation um, with um, who was the rep that we had on for? Was it uh, David? Balvenie. Yeah. Well, anyway, I'm blanking. I'm blanking on who it was at the time, but um, anyway, uh, and I remember grabbing the double wood and taking it up, and then they were like, rang it up, and they're like, "That's 150 dollars." And I was like, "Huh? What?" And I looked at it and realized that I grabbed the 14. Mm. And I made that immediate call, and I said, "Okay, you know what? I'm gonna buy it." And it's so good. Yeah, the double wood 12. Is so good. 
So okay. is the 14... The problem with Balvenias, they're all so good. Is the 14 really a step better? Is it twice as good? Yeah. Ah, uh, it's pretty good, but it's different. <laughs> right. It's it's hard to say. It's like saying is is a is a good hamburger as good as a great club sandwich. I don't know, man. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> like both of them are real good. Yeah, I was gonna say probably <laughs> yeah. so, but yeah, yeah, both of them are real good. But the bottom line is, uh, it kind of depends on what you want. I was not unhappy with the money I spent on the fourteen, but it was mm-hmm. my introduction to the fourteen by accident, and I didn't know that there was. I didn't know they had more than one expression of it. That's why I was like double wood and just grabbed it. Right. But um, but when we had the fourteen on the show, I actually uh, told that story a little bit. I was like, wow, I was surprised when I got up there because the price difference was big, but it was so good. And the twelve is fantastic. I mean, Balvenie's. Balvenie, How can you go wrong? Actually, yeah, I mean, right. it's so How can good. You go wrong? Well, all right, we're going to take a break. We'll come back to wrap the show up. Uh, but I just have to say. I'm exceptionally pleased with this Japanese whiskey that you brought in here today, the Kayo. This is uh, this is really, really worth its uh, worth its salt, so to speak, or worth its peat. Uh, it's not super peaty, but it is. Uh, it it just gives. No, it's, for where I am in my sort of peat journey right now, this is perfect. This is engineered. It has that hint of it, but it's not it's fantastically. Not and I, I use the word engineer when I'm talking about the Japanese because you can really taste they they give a shit. I mean, they really, really right. do. They work this really hard, yeah, and it and it produces and it great shows, results, man. Yeah, it produces great Good results. Job. All right, well, we'll take a break. We'll be right back. Smoking and toasting number two hundred and fifty-seven. Ian, we are halfway to three hundred. Halfway. Wow. What are we gonna do when we get there? <laughs> We're gonna do it again because no one stopped us. <laughs> Welcome back. It is Smokin' and Toastin'. This program is all about craft beer, fine spirits, and hand-rolled cigars. We are brought to you by the fine folks at MyCigarShirts.com. Check them out online for cigar shirts and hoodies and sweatshirts for uh, people who uh, love fine cigars and, and the people that love them. Uh, MyCigarShirts.com because... Cigars. Yeah. Speaking of cigars, some cigars to watch for. There are certainly a few uh, fat cigars to be found throughout the many uh, versions of the non-Cuban Cohiba brand, but only one has crossed over into the gargantuan 70-ring-gauge territory, uh, and that is uh, the one that General Cigar has just added, the 7x70 Cohiba Blue, the largest Cohiba the company has ever released. Seven inches long by 70 ring gauge, and it brings the Cohiba Blue now to six sizes. These are humongous cigars, and they have just shipped to retailers this week. And they're enormous, but they're only $15. So you're expecting Cohiba to be, you know, a little pricier than some other brands. So only $15 for this uh, pretty enormous cigar, I think, is a uh, is a pretty good deal. Might want to might want to check those babies out if you're like Ian and you're ready to go float on the river and uh, and have yourself a gargantuan cigar. So, um, Cohiba Blue, I. Remember smoking one of those? I thought I might have done a review on it, but I don't think I did. I was just looking at my uh, cigar reviews there. I don't think so I Cohiba actually did. Cohiba Blue is their slightly less expensive. It one. is their less expensive one. And I remember right off the bat that I didn't like it very much. Uh, I would say slightly less because it's still not much cheap. like the uh, Zeno, inexpensive mm-hmm. one that I had 
just like a few months back. Mm-hmm. I, I just don't think it's very good. Well, it'll be interesting to see. I, I'd be interesting to see what you think of this gargantuan, you know, size cigar because you're such a fan of that. I, but I feel like shape. I feel like the Cohiba Blue though is it, it's one of those cigars where I think people buy it because it's Cohiba, but I don't think it's. I don't, I don't, I don't think that quality. line is very good. Very Although that being said, it's it doesn't discount me from trying it because I'm sure it's going to be price point enough. But mm-hmm. at the same time, uh, the size of a cigar has mm-hmm. a profound effect on its flavor, even if it's the same blend. Right, so right. it may be that maybe the 770 is delicious. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Well, how do you feel about EP Carrillo? I love EP Carrillo. Yeah, you yeah. want to know what some of my absolute favorite giant ring gauge cigars are? Hmm. So EPC makes the inch, mm-hmm. and they make it in a 60, and they make it in a 62, I think. I love, absolutely love those. You love the um, nubs? Uh, the Matafina from, um, ooh, Brandon is the rep. I'm blanking on the name of the cigar company. Uh, but the Matafina uh, is a big ring gauge that uh, that we had that was fantastic. The... Uh, JFR Lunatic. Mm-hmm. If if you're gonna have a big ring gauge and you want something that you don't have to think about too much when you're smoking, <laughs> JFR Lunatic is yep, yep. just fine. There's there's a few in that ring gauge size that I absolutely love. I'm sorry, go ahead. Oh, uh, so I was asking about EP Carrillo, and you're a fan of oh the, the inch of man. The brand. Yeah. Uh, well, there's a new uh, a new EP Carrillo that went out to uh, retailers uh, just recently. It's a slender uh, Lonsdale. Of their uh, family-themed cigar brand, La Historia. Okay. Uh, it's the Parientes, uh, which is Spanish for family members, and it measures six and a half by forty-three. So here's the okay, opposite that's, yeah, yeah. of the uh, of the of the big uh, inch long cigars. Anyway, it's covered in a dark Mexican San Andreas wrapper, and the uh, binder is Ecuador Sumatra, and the filler is all. Nicaraguan La Historia is a great I'm, cigar. I'm a bit of an EPC fanboy though. Mm-hmm. Like I don't know, I like their blends so much, and I like a lot of their blends. Well, they have an also a uh, limited production short run retro 2021 line, which shipped earlier in the summer. Uh, it's making the rounds once again for another run. Uh, American retailers uh, just got the cigars last week in most locations, and according to the company, only 350 boxes of each size. For 1,050 boxes total, we'll be shipping out to 150 stores. Oh, wow. So you might want to check, like, Alan Denny. We're going to have to call yeah, Alan. Yeah, because he's the guy that uh, has got the inside scoop on EPC. Alan, um, I know you're watching. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the uh, line will be available in the same three sizes as before, uh, each named after types of vinyl records. Uh, short play. Measuring five inches by fifty ring gauge, extended play six by fifty two, nice. and long play six by sixty. They ship awesome. in boxes of uh, twenty four. So. That 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 is for uh, men of a certain age. Yes. <laughs> well, yeah. Do you realize like that that um, it, it's very difficult for a lot of uh, younger people to understand the concept of albums as it relates to music. The art. Of the album yeah. is a lost thing. Remember when we used to just hold up that album cover and study every word on it? Man, yeah, you would bring it home and you would stare at it for a certain amount of time before you even took the vinyl out. Mm-hmm. And then you would take the vinyl out and you would look at it because there's nothing like looking at the fresh vinyl. I still remember 
getting a copy of, and now I don't remember which album it was, but it was one of the Grand Funk Railroad albums. Oh, nice. And then I brought it home, and it was one of those gatefold things where you open it up, and inside the members of the band were all naked, and I was like, Oh, where can I hide this from my parents? You know, there's no, they're they're going to totally take this away from me. <laughs> the band members are all naked. What are they doing? Grand what, Funk they're Railroad. Kill, they're killing I'm your me captain. over here. Yeah, yeah. Great band. Oh, so anyway, um, well, Ian, this has been a really fun episode of the show for me. Has been. We had a beer we didn't like, which is actually... That we you, both didn't like. You've got to go unusual. some to find a beer that neither of us like. You know, <laughs> you got to really almost work on that, uh, especially from a respected brewery like uh, the guys at Elder Vine. I mean, those guys, they're they're a they're a heavyweight. Yeah. You know, so uh, so very very interesting. I you know I I tend to think on that beer that neither one of us like. That might be a style that just has a niche that. Neither one of us people fit that, in. Yeah, there could and be there, people that just totally and love And there might it, be you know? people that go, this is the bee's knees. And for, for me, it's just not. Well, and uh, then we had, of course, a great IPA. And this uh, American uh, Imperial Brown Ale is what a sensation. And the, the whiskey, The whiskey you brought in. Just wonderful. I know I keep absolutely drinking. Wonderful. So I know I do, too. Uh, want to say thanks to uh, Adam on the Wheels of Steel for setting us up today. Uh, thanks to Mary for booking the show. Thank you to OnStark, Bruce Spark, who sent us a wonderful <laughs> gift. What a great dude you are, Bruce. Thank you. Uh, we appreciate you so much, and we appreciate you always being here and always being on the comments, Bruce. Uh, I think it's really a dead heat between Bruce and uh, Wiki Brian as to who offers up the sauciest uh, comments on the uh, on the comment every week. Uh, so thank you, Bruce. That was very, uh, very cool and unnecessary, but I will smoke them and think of you. Um, have a wonderful week, my friends, and thank you for joining us for this show on next week's program. We're going to get excited because Omar uh, from Mountain Fork Brewing will be joining us. And we've never had Mountain Fork on the show before, so this is a, an exciting, an exciting uh, experience for all of us. So uh, thank you and have a wonderful week. And remember, wherever you are, whatever you do, Cheers, y'all. Cheers, y'all.